What's good? And welcome to episode 33 of the Helmet Hoops and Homies podcast. I'm Matthew Garcia here with my co-host and homie, the Hoops Guru, Patrick Moore. What's good, P. Moore? What up, homie? We're back three weeks later. It's yeah, it's it's, uh, it's been it's a been minute, minute, but we're we're back. So for for now, yeah. until we take another little break, but we're good. We're back for now. So yeah, good to be here. Um, we've been obviously me and you just been texting about pigskin and hoops the whole time, but it's good to share, drop our knowledge and share some audio bliss with the listeners here. So, uh, yeah, looking forward to the episode. Yeah, it's good. Uh, you got a lot of scouting trips uh, you're going on, so we're just trying to make it work when we can. So, uh, you know, just uh, bear with us, listeners, for we won't get our weekly shows like we usually do for a little bit, but uh, we're here now, so let's go ahead and, and get to that and get in it. So uh, before we start, Let's go ahead and talk about what we're drinking. And what are you drinking today, homie? All right. I got a good one today, homie. This is called, uh, a lot of people probably know this one, Kona Brewing Company. It's like the most famous craft brewery in Hawaii. And so they um, they, they make a bunch of good beers. But this is a Kona Light Blonde Ale. So it's just, these are very easy, drinkable, easy going. Uh, you know, they're like beach beers, but, um, you know. It's 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 a nice vibe, and uh, I think it's going to fit uh, the theme of some of the people and things we'll talk about today. So, um, what do you got? I was just about to say that too, my guy. So, um, I have a a cherry limeade, you know, a classic, oh, nice. here, so a delicious. Yeah, I know, I know how great. much you love those uh, those uh, crisp, clean uh, lemon lime flavors. So, I had to get oh, that yeah. one from the show today. So, you know let's that. go ahead and uh, get it popping. All right. All right, so let's get into it. We are in episode 33, so let's talk about some famous or notable number 33s. So we're going we're gonna to start with the NFL, and this is uh, some past players who wore number 33. And just to reiterate, uh, what we usually do is they had – I usually just pick players. We just pick players who had worn the jersey for at least three seasons just because if not, there'd be so many names of really good players who wore it for maybe a year. So we want someone who's kind of – more well-known for being that particular number. So let's go ahead and get it started in the NFL. We got uh, Sammy Baugh, who's a Hall of Famer. His nickname was Slingin' Sammy, which I like. Uh, we have uh, Dalvin Cook, who wore it for five seasons. He now wears number four, but I always, I mean, obviously for the last five years, he's been 33, so I want to make sure he was on there. Got Roger Craig, Tony Dorsett, another Hall of Famer. Kevin Falk, Sam Gash, Jim Grabowski, Kenny Graham, Michael Griffin, William Henderson, whose nickname was Boogie, Merrill Hodge, Chris Ivory, Derwin James wore it for three seasons. He now wears number three. Curly Johnson, Kenny King, Bernie Masterson, Ali Madsen, Hall of Famer, Laron McLean, John Mellis, Larry Morris, Nick Pietrosante. Reggie Rucker, Charles Tillman, who is basically a Bears icon, I would say. His nickname was Peanut. He was a 2013 Walter, Man, Walter Payton Man of the Year. And anytime a ball gets knocked out or punched out, a lot of people still call it the Peanut Punch. That was named after Charles Tillman. Uh, Michael Turner, Michael the Burner Turner, Charles White, and Don Woods. Getting into our current notable players who were 33, not as many. We have uh, Jamal Adams, whose nickname is the President, uh, Brian Asamoah, Trey Edmonds, Trey Flowers, 
Aaron Jones, running back for the Packers, Devin Lloyd, and Nick Scott. So those are our famous or notable 33s in the NFL. Now, moving on to hoops. This is a, uh, a really prestigious list, I would say. So we're going to start off with Lou Alcindor, a.k.a. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Hall of Famer, obviously, the all-time leading scorer at this moment. We have uh, Sharif Abdul-Rahim, who's the president of the G League, Alvin Adams, one of my favorite players of all time, Larry Legend, Larry Bird, Hall of Famer, uh, Antonio Daniels, who's the New Orleans Pelicans color commentator, Antonio Davis, and uh, this one's for you, homie. Uh, Big Pat, Hoya Destroya, head, co- head coach at Georgetown University, Patrick Ewing, Hall of Famer. Oh, yeah. Uh, Mark Gasol, whose nickname is La Tanqueta, which is the tank, which I thought was funny. I did not know that. Uh, Danny Granger, whose nickname is The Gift. And another guy who we're pretty fond of on the Helmet Suits and Homies podcast, Willie Fresh, Willie Green, head coach of the New Orleans Pelicans. Hersey Hawkins, Brendan Haywood, whose nickname was Baby Huey. Uh, Grant Hill, whose nickname was G-Money or Mr. Nice, Hall of Famer. Hot Rod Hundley. Anton Jameson, who might be a Hall of Famer eventually. Steve Johnson. Rich Jones, Clark Kellogg, whose nickname is Special K. He does a lot of the uh, the March Madness and College Hoops coverage. Wendell Ladner, Mike Miller, who's an agent now. Mikey Moore, Alonzo Mourning, Zoe, Hall of Famer. Uh, Calvin Natt, whose nickname is Pitbull. Uh, Scotty Pippen, No Tippin' Pippen. And those of us, those Bulls fans and people from Chicago know that nickname very well. A Hall of Famer, Truck Robinson, Charlie Scott, Hall of Famer, whose nickname is Great Scott, David Thompson, Skywalker, yeah, also another Hall of Famer, Otis Thorpe, and last but not least, Gary Trent, father of Gary Trent Jr., and his nickname was Shaq of the Mac, which I really like. And then um, some great nicknames in this list here. And then going to current number 33s, people who wore it uh, this past NBA season, we have uh, Nicolas Batum, or Nicky Bats, as we like to call him here. Nick Claxton, or his nickname was The Alchemist, which I thought was pretty funny. I like that. Uh, Robert Covington, whose nickname is Lord Covington. Trey Jones, Kyle Kuzma, Robin Lopez. Uh, I call him Robin and Weaving because he's kind of like scrappy. He's like a boxer kind of with that. So I like him. He's the uh, the hard hat and lunch pail type of player, as Stacey King would say. Uh, Mike Muscala, whose nickname is Jaws, with a Z, which I thought was dope. Gary Trent Jr. So Gary Trent and Gary Trent Jr. both were 33. And Miles Turner, whose nickname is Samurai Miles. So that is our list of famous and notable hoopers with the number 33. So, I mean, a lot of great names there on both uh in both sports, who who jumps out to you? I know the one that does immediately, so we can go ahead and start with that one. But after that one, who else uh, jumps out to you? Yeah, I mean, it's hard to know where to start. But, um, you know, you call me the hoops guru. I'm going to start with hoops. Um, you know, 33 is kind of the unofficial number of, like, 
I would say like great, great centers, not necessarily. There are some great centers that were 32, some of the great centers that were 34, but 33 is a pretty legendary number. It's up there with like 23, I would say 32. Those are like kind of the big hoops numbers in the NBA. Um, but you have who I consider to be the second best player of all time and who I think is honestly overlooked in the argument, the debate about best player of all time. If we're going to start talking about LeBron as potentially the best player of all time, which me and you don't agree with, but many people do. How, why not Kareem? He's done everything that he, that, you know, any of the other guys have done and holds, you know, record for most points scored played until he was 40. So I think Kareem is a little more respect in that conversation. To me, it's still undisputedly Michael Jordan, but I have Kareem too. So that stands out to me. Um, and I call him Kareem, but you know, he also, he, he, he went by Lou Alcindor. He was maybe one of the few players who could have been in the hall of fame under two different names. I would argue because like Lou Alcindor is what he played at, at um, UCLA, where I think he won championships every year. He was there close, close to half, if not, if not all of them. So um, yeah, he, he's one who stands out. And then of course my favorite player of all time, uh, Patrick Ewing, um, you know, he's, he's, he's still great. You know, he's not, He's not one of those guys who's ever going to be, I think, considered like one of the top five or 10 best players. Like, I don't, I don't, I think even the biggest Patrick Ewing fan wouldn't say that, but he was kind of as exemplified what Knicks fans wanted. And like, kind of, I think a lot of us, you know, we liked his style. He was tough, but he had touch. He was, he was graceful when he needed to be. Um, but yeah, his attitude really just stood out. And uh, yeah, now he's, he's coaching uh, the Hoyas. He had a really, really bad season last year. Um, first uh, no win big East uh, season, which was really rough. So I'm hoping it, he lost a ton of players to transfer and a bunch of stuff. So I'm hoping he bounces back this year. He was in the tournament the year before. So um, I'm not, not discounting that, but um, yeah, those are, those are the two big guys that stand out. Obviously, Larry Legend. Um, I'm gonna let you speak on him because I know you're you're a, a huge fan of him, and you know I, I am too. But I want to hear what you have to say. Yeah, good point, Tommy. Uh, definitely, uh, for when it comes to the Hoya Destroyer, Big Pat Patrick Ewing, he was our number one favorite uh, Patrick of all time in the NBA. He made our <laughs> list number one. It, to me, it was not even close. It was yeah. he was gonna be number one. I was like, okay, who starts after him? So I, I, that's that what stuck out to me. And I think, obviously, he's been a big part of our lives. If he was a Knicks fan and just me growing up watching 90s basketball, he was in Space Jam. You know what I mean? So I always remember him from that when I was when I was younger as well. So he's always just been a part of the part of the hoops, my hoops mind for the most part. But I think um, I'd say he's definitely in the top 10 center conversation, For I would say. I mean, if you're, if you're factoring in guys now, you know what I mean? It might be a little bit, might be kind of... Uh, you know, messy a little bit if you're talking about guys like Jokic, who is going to go down as one of the best, and and uh, the process Joel Embiid as well. But I'd say for, I'd say right now I have him in top ten center, and I think the best way to describe Patrick Ewing is just he's just the definition of what you want in a franchise player. Like if you have a franchise player, you want a guy like Patrick Ewing. You know what I mean? No nonsense type of guy. You know what I mean? Just he works hard, really good player, great production. He just played in the 90s there. You know what I mean? A lot of players did. 
is it is what it is. You know what I mean? But yeah, Patrick, I love Patrick Ewing, and obviously, uh, I'm excited to see what he does at Georgetown this season and future. And I'm hoping he gets an NBA head coaching job eventually. I think he should have already gotten one. But I mean, that's another topic for another day. But yeah, so we're big Patrick Ewing fans on this show. Um, and yeah, so Larry Legend, Larry Bird, also in Space Jam. It's kind of ironic, yeah, that they're both in there. But um, I mean, what's there to say? He's one of the greatest players of the 80s by far. Uh, to me, he's probably the greatest shooter of all time, along with uh, Stevie Curry. I'm gonna say I'm gonna I'm gonna say to be respectful to Stevie Curry, who we of course we give all the accolades. He is in the Hall of Homies, you know, for a good reason. I'm gonna say it's a tie. The reason why I'm gonna say it's a tie, and you could say, well, Steph had more range, this and that. He had better numbers. He does, but you gotta think about in the era that that Larry Bird was playing in in the '80s. You know what I mean? And even in college. So, but in the '80s, there wasn't really a lot of you know sharp shooters or guys that were really you know emphasizing the three like Larry Bird did. And he was just one of the guys that just perfected it. He, he was almost a lock to win the three-point contest every year. He would go He would go and tell – he was a great trash talker. He would go and tell guys, hey, I'm going to go to the corner three on the right side, and you're not going to be able to stop me. I'm going to make this shot. And then he would just go and do it. Or he would say, hey, I'm gonna, they're going to inbound the ball to me. I'm going to go to the top of the key, and I'm going to drain this shot in your face, and I'm going to win the game for us, okay? And then he would go and do it. I mean, you could say, <laughs> I mean, what, who else? Who wouldn't love that? You know what I mean? And that's yeah. the thing. Like for, I mean, I'm a huge Larry Bird fan. Definitely one of my favorite NBA players of all time. And uh, I mean, any guy who can just call his shot, you know what I mean? Like everybody talks about, like Babe Ruth and baseball called his shot. Larry Bird calls called his shot so many times in the NBA, and that's crazy. You know what I mean? To be able to do that, especially in the era he was playing with so many good players, and. uh they basically lived in the playoffs and the finals. I mean, what else would you want, right? So it's a, kind of like the golden era after the Red Auerbach, Bill Russell type of era in Boston, Larry Bird, Kevin McHale, those guys. That was the next, you know, golden era of of leprechauns or uh, Celtic Celtics basketball. You know what I mean? So, yeah. So, I mean, there's not really that you, that can be said anymore than that. He's just, I mean, he's an amazing player. So. Um, any other guys that stuck out to me that I'm looking? Obviously, I agree with you, homie, about uh, Luol Sender and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. He could have won the Hall of Fame as two different uh, likenesses, you could say. He was just that good. He was absolutely dominant in college. Uh, UCLA was just, was unstoppable. Um, so, and obviously, John Wooden, the legendary coach, they were just absolutely unstoppable. If you think about the big men that came out of there, Bill Walton is another one. Bill Walton was fantastic until he started getting injured but it was just it was a college powerhouse like what we think of with like kentucky north carolina duke places like that ucla was that and uh and kareem was a big reason for that so and obviously other guys um obviously uh sharif abdul rahim who like i said is president of the g league he's really active in the uh in hoops he's you see him all the time i remember watching him too he was a really solid player good good uh, good score in the paint, and then some other some other great ones. Obviously, Alonzo Mourning, another great Georgetown big man. Willie Green, you know, mm-hmm. coach of the Pelicans. Um, Anton Jameson, who, like I said, is probably going to be in the Hall of Fame eventually, just because he was just such a prolific scorer. And you know, Grand Hill. There's so many good mm-hmm. Scotty Pippen. I mean, there's just so many. If you just count up, I didn't even do this, but like. 
you just count up the number of championships on this list, it's it's astounding. You know what I mean? Yeah. So many, yeah. so many great players. Obviously, Skywalker Thompson. It's just it's, yeah, Thompson. It's, it's so you mentioned, loaded. Uh, Haywood, right? Yeah, Brennan um, Haywood, baby Huey. Yeah, so many, uh, so many really uh, great names here. And then for the yeah. current guys, obviously Nikki Bats, great three yeah. and D guy. You know, we love that here on the show. Nick Claxton, really solid guy. No, Robert Covington, nice, uh, nice player. And Robin Lopez, we love the Lopez brothers on here. And Miles Turner, who I think is a really, really, really good uh, defensive center. And we'll see where he's playing, you know, what his future is going to be. But I like his game as well. So this is a great – 33 is a great big man number in uh, hoops. Yeah. And uh, in – in uh, pigskin, good good running back number. You mentioned Cook, who I think is one of the best backs in the league. Every time I watch him, that he has seems to have a little trouble staying healthy sometimes, but he's really good. And then Tony Dorsett, obviously one of the great great running backs of all time. So you've got some pretty big you 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 went through a bunch of pretty big pigskin names too. So yeah, uh, Roger Craig, who I was surprised to see is not in the Hall of Fame. Mm. But he was a part of that Niners, you know, Joe Montana dynasty. You know what I mean? So yeah, yeah. That, that as well. And uh, Derwin James was obviously a really solid defensive player. Yep. Um, and there's also some good Ali Matson Hall of Famer. So it's a really great list. And like I said, I already talked about uh, Charles Tillman. I was a huge fan of him. I still am. Yeah. Uh, nice. Yeah. Uh, Trivia tidbit about Charles Tillman is after he retired, he became an FBI agent. So he's now with the FBI. So he's what? just a he's just a modern day. Yeah, he is. He's just a modern day Renaissance man. And this guy can do wow. can just do everything, apparently. He's so, a spy now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's just he's just that talented, man. That's crazy to be like, you know what I mean? Two totally like yeah. really successful careers. So and like I said, Walter Payton Man of the Year. So mm-hmm. and the Peanut Punch. I was just watching the game. This past week, I want to say, and it was, I want to say it was Kevin Burkhart and um, Greg Olson were calling the game. And yeah. Greg Olson, who played in Chicago with, with Charles Tillman, there was a fumble. Somebody punched out the ball, and he goes, oh, the old peanut punch. So, I mean, it's still there. You know what I mean? He retired uh, several years ago now, and it's still yeah. a thing. So he's kind Any, of a. Yeah. Anytime you punch the ball out, it's a peanut punch. It's a peanut punch, uh, he, yeah. He, he popularized that. I mean, now everyone yeah. does it. It seems ubiquitous, you know. But he was so he was, he was so first. good at it too. Like he was just watching so good all those it, bear yeah. games, all those yeah. bears games growing up and stuff. He was so yeah. good at it, man. Like you had to like when they talk about technique and you put two hands on the ball and cover it. You had to if Charles Tillman was playing corner against you. Yeah. He'd go so yeah, for there's it. that. And then um, current players, the ones that really stand out for me, just some a lot of young guys on here, but uh, Jamal Adams. Who's one of the best safeties in the league, but unfortunately he's had some really bad luck with health. He's out again yeah. for the year this year. Yeah. He plays for Seattle. They gave up a lot to get him too, which is unfortunate for both ends. So we wish him the best that he can get back healthy next year and we'll see. But when he's right, he's definitely a top three, top five uh safety in the league. And um Aaron Jones, who I think is a really underrated running back, because they have yeah, like that two headed monster in Green Bay with um him and Dylan. But I think Aaron Jones is really good, great pass catching back. So he's a really, it's kind of like a, a low key type of really great running back because obviously, when you think of Green Bay, you think of Aaron Rodgers and, and like the defense and things like that. But he's very good as well. 
Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, so it's 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 interesting. It's like a split of like defensive backs and running backs. Um it's it's been funny how like our our by episode we're like going through the, all the position groups in the NFL. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, with the NFL cuz you if you remember, homie, you know, um like only like certain positions only have like a certain number. You know what I mean? Like okay, quarterback yeah. could be 0 through 18 or something. You know what I mean? It couldn't be any higher than that. Now it doesn't matter anymore, which is Yeah. Good, I like that. But for a while, it was like you could only have these like twenty numbers, yeah. and that's all you get. So, yep, great list. Uh, from my count, I could be wrong on the count, but I have noted eight Hall of Famers for the for the uh, NBA. And like I said, uh, Anton Jameson might be another one. So we'll see there. So eight Hall of Famers as it sits right now, and with uh, pigskin, we have three mm-hmm. so yeah great great list so that those are our famous and uh, notable number 33s in the nfl and the nba yeah there, there we go those that was a good list i think uh next episode's gonna be really good too we're gonna have some yeah some we've just been names. Mm-hmm. 32 was great 33 is great it's like these uh, we were just talking about that off the uh off the air but i would say Probably 32, 33, 34 is probably the best sequence of jersey numbers in NBA history, I would say. Yeah, for sure. Well, yeah, that was it. That was it. That was a good good week there, homie. We we hit a lot. Yeah, for sure. So let's uh let's go ahead and move on to our first segment. So our first segment, we are gonna be kicking it here. It's gonna be uh pigskin related. So we're gonna do some run, pass, or punt. So uh, just to talk about what that means. So uh, if you run with something, a statement, a team, anything of that nature, you you agree with it, basically. You run with it. If you pass, you pass in a statement or team, and you disagree with it. If you punt, you're kind of unsure, or it's kind of a push, or it's even, or you don't really know what to make of it. It's kind of like you live to play another down when you punt. You know what I mean? Instead of going for it, you punt. So those are our what the terms mean. So we're going to talk about uh, some teams through three weeks. We are uh, going into week four. It starts tomorrow. We are going to talk about teams that we, we run with, a team that we run with, a team that we pass on, and a team that we're going to punt on. We're not sure yet, or we have to see more. So I'll let you start this one, Pat. Uh, who's a, a team that you run with right now through three weeks? So I think there's one that probably I I I think maybe you're gonna pick, but um I'm not gonna pick that one just because I want to talk about this that team later. I'm gonna go with I'm gonna pick a kind of wild card one here. I am running with the Cincinnati Bengals being a Super Bowl contender again. And um, this one is maybe a little controversial because they started the season off real bad. Um, they were 0-2 after two weeks. They're now 1-2 after beating the Jets pretty handily. Looked looked good. Looked like a much better team than the Jets did. Um, but their first two losses were pretty brutal. Joe Burrow looked terrible in their first uh, in their first game. Um, he just he threw a bunch of picks, made a bunch of bad decisions. Um, they lost against the Cowboys, um, and yeah, just the offense really couldn't get anything going. The narrative was like, yeah, like now all these teams know to put like two high safeties on them, and they're gonna eliminate the the, the deep game. But 
I, I didn't, I don't know if that's uh, Joe Burrow is also a great short passer and intermediate passer. It's not like he only has the long ball. He's like a, just a good passer and that offense. He ran it at, at LSU and the offense they ran last year too. Like he can do the quick hit stuff and they have some of the most explosive receivers in the league. So I am, I am running with them. Um, you know, I think winning the division now might be more of a stretch. The Ravens look really good. Um, but I still think they're going to go and, and make the playoffs at least as a wild card team. So I'm running with the Cincinnati Bengals um, improving this season. So, um, yeah, any thoughts on that? Yeah, I had the uh, – if I had to do the Bengals, I actually had them as like a backup team for me. They would be in the punt category for me. And the only reason why is I had them as a wild card team. I had the Ravens – I picked the Ravens to win the AFC North. I had them as a punt team for me just because – they definitely have the talent, and they went to the Super Bowl last year. They have, you know, great quarterback. They have, a, you know, I, we've talked about it so many times in this show. I love their receiving core. You know what I mean? But they got a really. T- I was looking. At, they have a really tough schedule coming up. Mm, yeah, a lot of really tough games in that schedule. So, I mean, I think it's it's a situation where they're gonna have to really get it in gear. Like losing, especially losing that first game against Pittsburgh, where they. I mean, the Bengals just did everything they absolutely could to lose that game. I mean, every way you could think of losing a game, they did it. Yeah. So that really hurt them, especially because it was a division game too. So, I mean, I would be surprised unless we see a big collapse from the Ravens. I would be surprised if they end up winning the division. But I still think – I still believe that they will make the playoffs. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have them as a punt right now just because that schedule is brutal. Yeah. So, and obviously you got to play the Ravens two times. You know what I mean? And yeah. you got to play the Steelers again. You got to play uh, the Oranges. I mean, every, every divisional games in the AFC North are really tough, no matter yeah. if the team is good or not. You know what I mean? So, they still can't just, block Burrow too. And you, yeah, I mean, and the, and the O line, even with the with yeah. the, the addition of of Kappa, who's looked good, but everybody else hasn't. You yeah. know what I mean? Um, so. It's just a situation where they got to get that fixed up. And it just looks like um, Joe Burrow was just really kind of feeling the rust and the effects of that appendectomy that he had in the offseason. Mm. And it hurt. But, I mean, look, they lost 23-20 to 20 to, the, to Pittsburgh. Like I said, they did everything they could to lose that game. And then they lost against the Cowboys 20-17, to 17, which I think was a very bad loss as well. But, I mean, if you need, if you need a get-right game, I mean, the Jets is a team you want to play, and they play, they beat them 27-12. to 12. But looking at their next, their upcoming games, homie. So tomorrow on Thursday Night Football, they're playing the Dolphins, who are undefeated. They're playing the Ravens in Week Five. They play the Saints in Week Six, and they got Falcons, Oranges, Panthers, and then a bye. And then I'm just gonna go through the whole schedule since I have it pulled up. Then you got Steelers, Titans, Kansas City Football Team, Cleveland, Tampa Bay, New England, Buffalo, Baltimore to end the year. That's a tough schedule, man. Yeah, it's a, yeah. that's a brutal schedule. So yeah, so I mean, we'll see. I believe in them, but I'm gonna have to put it in punt right now because I can't 100% say that they will. But I'm gonna, if I had to bet, I would say they're gonna make the playoffs. But I gotta see more from them. I was very disappointed in the first couple of weeks with yeah. Cincinnati. They looked terrible. They did. They did. Yeah. So, so we'll see. It was just the jet. It's just the Jets they beat. So you know, like. I mean, you got to. Really I mean, reflective. games that you're supposed to win, you got to win them. You know what I mean? So, yeah. 
a win in the NFL. A win is a win. I don't care if you're playing an 0 15 team. You got to beat them, and they did. So I mean, that was mm-hmm. a, a good way to build confidence. So I mean, I'm not going to take it for granted. But like I said, if you want to get right game, the Jets are usually the team because the Jets have you know been bad. They don't have Zach Wilson this and that. But they got to they got to definitely get things on track, and we'll see how they look tomorrow against Miami. Yeah. So well, who, who who are you running with this this uh, this week? Yeah, so a team I'm going to run with, there's a really obvious one, but I wanted to pick one that's still kind of obvious, I guess, but one that maybe is not as uh, as much of a consensus pick at this point. Uh, I'm running with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So we're looking at a team that is and 2-1 right now. Uh, I, we both, I, I believe we both picked them to win the NFC South. And it's a team that has... Their offense has been banged up. Their receiving core has been, you know, hurt consistently. Mike Evans was suspended last week, and they still came came within a two-point conversion of forcing overtime. So the reason why I am still confident that the receiving core will get healthier, I mean, obviously with Tom Brady at quarterback, you can't really count him out no matter what. But for me, it comes down to their defense has been elite through the first three weeks. It looks like that defense that kind of ended the end of the last five or six games of the year a couple years ago and went into the playoffs and just dominated. It looks like that kind of that Super Bowl defense that they had. And that's what you want to see because it was it wasn't there last year. They had a lot of injuries, especially in the secondary. But for me, if you're a, if you're a Buccaneers fan, you got to be really pleased. And if you're, you know, Todd Bowles, who's obviously defensive minded coach, you got to be thrilled with what you're seeing from your defense. They have just been putting it on every team they've played. So if you're going to talk about uh, like what, how many points they've given up through the first three weeks, it's been, it's been really uh, kind of a sensational to see what they've done. So they only gave up 14 to Green Bay, and you can say, yeah, Devontae Adams is not there anymore. But still, you're giving up basically 14 points to an Aaron Rodgers-led offense. That's pretty impressive to me. They gave up three against the Cowboys in week one and 10 against the Saints. And they kept they kept uh they kept the Buccaneers offense in that game the entire game against the Saints because it was you know it was a defensive battle. They kept them in that game and then they kept them in the game uh last week against the Packers. The Packers scored two touchdowns. They're about to do three. They got a you know they got a turnover and after that they never let them score again. So I mean this defense is looking great. So that's why I'm running with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, but what do you think about that, Homer? Yeah, I, I had I was considering them for a run too, because yeah, I, I mean, like if they're still two and one after how banged up the offense is, like it's not just the receivers, it's also the offensive line too. So like Brady hasn't even really had a ton of time to throw, and when he is throwing, he's throwing like Cole Beasley and you know Russell Gage, who's good, but he's best suited as kind of like your number three receiver. So um, you know. I think the low, the offense I'm not worried about. I think it's going to come around. I think they have, even if, you know, you want to say like, oh, well, maybe Brady is taking a step back. Like, even so, like they have so much talent um, that as long as he's, you know, a top 10 quarterback, which I'm confident he will be, um, you know, they're going to, they're going to be good. And yeah, the defense looks incredible. I mean, it looks amazing right now. Not, not a surprise. Todd Bowles is a great defensive coach and he, He's been coaching them for a few years, and they've got some continuity at important positions there. But 
Um, yeah, they're they're I I still I think they're gonna run away with that division. I, I don't see really any other team challenging them at from what I've seen so far. Yeah, I mean they're they're definitely look like the most complete team. And like I said, to see that defense pretty much carrying the team right now with like you said, with the wide receiver injuries and the O line just been, you know, they've been playing Tetris pretty much trying to get guys to play. It's been so banged up. So, yeah, I, I think that's why I have a lot of confidence in them. So let's go ahead and see who's a team that we're passing on. So who's a team that you're going to pass on right now, homie? So the team that I am passing on is um, the, 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 my, my hometown team or my adopted hometown team, uh, not the New York Giants, um, well, maybe we'll talk about them later, but the Denver Broncos, <laughs> I am passing on the Denver Broncos. I fell for it. Um, I fell for it with two different teams when we did our preseason picks. I, you know, even though you warned me as I had warned you the year before, you know, don't pick the Broncos, don't pick the Chargers. Like those are two teams they are cursed. So I of course picked both. <laughs> and uh, you know, it's, it's two teams that, I have a lot of concerns about, but more so the Broncos just more, more because like, I don't know. They, they've been, their offense has been terrible, like, like worse than terrible. Um, their defense has actually been really good. Um, but Russell Wilson just does not look like he really knows what he's doing. The coaches seem to ha have even less of a clue of what they're doing, to be honest. Um, and yeah, it's just, it's looked really ugly. Now, there's definitely a chance that like Russell Wilson kind of fits into his role and gets better, but just like, I, I haven't really seen anything within this team, but you know, on the offensive side to make me think it's going to work. Um, their line doesn't seem to be very good. I think they have good talent. Like I think Cortland Sutton is good. I think they're running back. Uh, uh, is it Javante Williams? Um, mm -hmm. He's, he's, he's really good. Um, you know, and, and, and in theory, Russell Wilson should be a huge upgrade over, you know, Drew Locke or even, you know, Teddy Bridgewater, but it just hasn't looked like it at all. Um, so I'm really concerned about this team and they play in a brutal division, even, even with the chargers as banged up as they are, you know, they've got Herbert, they've got a lot of talent, you know, the Raiders, you know, they're the only own three team in the league. And a lot of people are probably going to write them off, but I, they don't, seem to me to be that I don't think they're a bottom 10 team. You know, I don't know if they'll make the playoffs, but I think the Raiders are at least going to be a competitive team. So it's, it's just going to be tough for the Broncos if they can't score. I mean, they have the defense, but um, I don't know. Ru Russell Wilson doesn't look right. The coaches have no clue what they're doing. It's, it's not a pretty picture. I'll say that. Yeah, that was actually, um, that was actually my pick for a pass as well. So we got the homie harmony going. So I actually will, I'll go with the backup that I had. So, um, but yeah, just my thoughts on the Broncos briefly, because we might get into it later is that uh, they've been, a, they've been a disaster for a team that's two and one. They probably are the worst looking two and one team in the league mm -hmm. easily. Like the fact that they're two and one is astounding to me. They, yeah, they've looked really bad. They've just, that's just the best way to put it. The offense has looked inept. The anemic, the the coaching staff looks like they don't even know what they're doing. 
I'm, I'm looking at, you know, Nathaniel Hackett there. It just looks like a disaster right now. It looks like at this point, I would be, if things continue the way they have, unless they make the playoffs, uh, I don't really see any avenue where Nathaniel Hackett comes back next year. You know what I mean? I just don't, especially with new ownership who didn't hire him. I mean, it's just, it looks bad. So, and Russell Wilson with the offense, he doesn't look like he has a grasp of it yet. The play calling's all over the place. There's no, there's no really rhythm to the offense. It's a lot of, when you're targeting, you know, running backs more than your receivers, when you have guys like Jerry Judy, Cortland Sutton, that that's not good. And you have, you know, I mean, you have, you have weapons there. And I said this before the season started, it might've been even on our, our preseason pick show where they were going to really miss Tim Patrick and the kind of offense that they're running right now. It's a lot of intermediate, if even routes, a lot of dump offs, dink and dunk. You could say Tim Patrick would have been a great slot receiver for that. You know, I mean, he can obviously, you know, do you have to do a goal ball with him, but if you're running a lot of intermediate shallow crosses, things like that, slant routes, Tim Patrick was the, was the go-to guy in the team for that. You know what I mean? So that they're obviously missing him there. So I don't know. The defense is, hasn't really been impressive to me either. It just seems, looks like a team that's just a mess right now. Like I said, they 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 should feel very fortunate that they're two and one and and not zero and three. I mean, this team could easily a couple of things change here and there, which you know is every week, every team. I get it. They could easily be zero and three. So yeah, I feel you, homie. They were definitely they were my pick for a pass, but I'm gonna go with. A backup team here, so we don't have the same one. Of uh, I'm gonna go with the uh, I'm gonna go with the Cleveland Oranges here. So the Cleveland Oranges are also a two and one team. So we're we're hating on the two and one teams here. I noticed. Uh, I'm gonna go with uh, the Cleveland Oranges or the Browns, as they're called, even though they're, you know, we'll get into the whole thing with their logo as an orange helmet and uh, Brownie the Elf. I think is also their logo now. <laughs> I mean, he was he always was, but now he's on their field and this and that. Anyway, so it's not a logo episode. We did that already. So um, they're another team that I'm kind of surprised is two and one. If you look, if you look at um, their game, so they won 26-24, and it came down to a 58-yard field goal to beat the Panthers in Week One. You could say it's the first week. The first week is crazy. I get it. Then they they blew a lead uh, and they lost 31 to 30 to the New York Jets in Week Two. That pretty much was just bad coaching. So, and then they won 29-17 against the Steelers. So they're a team where I don't really know what to make of them in terms of that. Like their defense has not been impressive to me at all. You could say maybe this past week they might have got right, but I haven't been too impressed with them. And it looks like Miles Garrett uh was in a car accident. He's injured. I don't know how long he's gonna be out for that, but mm-hmm. I mean he's their he's their leader, he's their their best player on defense by far. Uh, Jadevian Clowney hasn't really looked flash to me at all, really. Uh, I like, I mean, obviously, I, like, I think he's a talented player, but he's the last few years he hasn't really been what he was built to be. Obviously, he went number one in the draft way back when. But uh, their defense hasn't been impressive to me. Uh, I think the run game's really been carrying them. Like Nick Chubb has been, looked great. He's definitely moving into it. I mean, I think he's already a top running back, but he's moving into that upper echelon, I think, of backs. And, you know, obviously having Kareem Hunt there helps as well. But Nick Chubb has really been carrying this team. And um, it's just it's a mystery to me why they were just so quick to just hand the reins to Jacoby Brissett. 
And it's not no no shade at Jacoby Brissett. He's a backup quarterback. That's what he is. You know what I mean? If Jacoby Brissett's my backup, he's gonna play maybe a game or two a year if I need him in a pinch. I, I can I can I can roll with that. I can vibe with that. If you tell me Jacoby Brissett's gonna start eleven games in a row for me, I, I can't vibe with that. I mean, just look at you know everywhere he's been. He hasn't really been very successful. And if you look at this last year, that's just my best example. I was actually talking to Deuce about this. He's like, man, Jacoby Brissett looks really bad. He actually calls him Jacoby Brisket, which I thought was pretty funny as a, <laughs> as a joke. And I was, I was like, yeah, I was like, yeah, he, was, he looks bad. So, looks so yeah, yeah he's like, he looks cooked. Exactly. He was getting smoked. Yeah, so smoked brisket. I guess it's going to be his name. <laughs> uh, Jacoby Brissett has looked bad. And, I mean, just think about last year with the Dolphins. Like, they were – I want to say they lost seven games in a row, something like that. It was there six or seven yeah. games in a row? They looked awful, and they had to, you know, Tua with basically like a broken finger, came in, you know, mid-game because Brissett was so bad, and you know, beat the Ravens, and then they won seven games in a row. So I was like, an injured Tua was better than a fully healthy Jacoby Brissett. Like he was, he was a major reason why they were so bad. They lost so many games in a row. Like he's a backup quarterback. If you need him to play more than a couple games a year, you're in trouble. You know what I mean? Which is what you can say for a lot of backup quarterbacks. But so I'm not hating on him. I'm not saying he shouldn't be in the league. But there is no, I don't know how Cleveland talked themselves into saying, you know what? I am I am so confident. Because they're making it seem like they had, you know what I mean? You know, the next, you know, superstar, the way they're hyping this guy up. And I get it. You know what I mean? You're supposed to rally around your team, but there's no way. I would have been confident saying, okay, Jacoby Brissett's my quarterback for 11 weeks, 11 games. I just can't do it. So as a, as a, a, a funny uh, a funny thing that we say, I can't have it. I can't have it on me. just can't do it. So, uh, yeah, that's that's my uh, my thoughts on the Cleveland Oranges, a.k.a. the Browns. Uh, what are your thoughts on them, homie? Yeah, they're just a complete wild card to me. I, I end up, you know, I actually have them as a runner up for punting. Cause like, I have no idea. Like they're, they're two and one, but now their best players hurt. They do have Jacoby Brissett at quarterback, but they have such a good offensive line and running back unit that it's like, I don't know how much it balances out. Their offense isn't going to be great with Jacoby Brissett. Then you've got, you know, Watson coming back from his suspension and, you know, who knows how the heck he'll look, you know, after being basically not playing a game in like two years. So it, it, too many question marks with them. They have a lot of talent, like at a lot of important positions, but it just kind of right now it's disjointed from injuries and, and everything. And I think, you know, same, same thing you kind of said about the Bengals. It's like a brutal division. You're going to, you're going to play the, the, the Ravens, uh, twice you still have to play the Bengals twice so um you know that that they, they uh I just don't I, I don't think they're gonna they make it happen but I don't know the AFC also looks kind of vulnerable right now so so I don't know um so I'm ultimately punting on them but I think you passing on them is is totally reasonable um but yeah um it's it's we'll we'll see what happens i there's a bunch of teams there's another team that was two and one that i was considering for this as well the minnesota vikings and every time you know i try to like i i I, like try like quickly react to something you know this season i'm like oh this seems really good they're gonna go to the playoffs i always think last season 
the Carolina Panthers were three and zero, and the Denver Broncos were three and zero, and that's like all I need to know because those teams both ended up stinking, missing the playoffs, completely falling apart. So there's a lot of teams I don't really trust, and but I, I do think like for the most part, the teams that are gonna you know make the playoffs have got to start to figure things out like around now at least. So. Um, yeah, that's, that's kind of how I feel. So there's like just a lot of punting and passing on these teams. Cause it's, it's hard to read after just, uh, three weeks. Yeah. That's a great point. We like, that's, that's what I thought of too. Like the Panthers were three, zero at this point last year and they just completely fell apart. And then, yeah, the, the Broncos, yeah, were also three, zero, and they just, they didn't make the playoffs. Let's put it that way. So, I mean, it isn't, it's early. I know we're early on this, but. It's, it's something that, you know, after three games, you kind of can get a little bit of a sense, I would say, at least, you know what I mean, of of, of what the season's going to be. You're like, we're almost at 20% of the season, you know what I mean? So we can kind of kind of get a little bit of a, of a feel of what we're seeing here. So let's move on to punt. So, so Patrick, who is a team that you are punting on right now that you're unsure of at this moment? Yeah, and so like I said, uh, I, I mentioned the Cleveland Browns. It's an honorable mention. The Oranges, as I should say. Um, but the team I am punting on is the San Francisco 49ers. Um, and there's a couple of reasons for this. One, I mean, like the last <laughs> the last game really showed, you know, why Jimmy G, why they were willing to let him walk, you know. Kind of he he they lost by one point and I think he he gave away two on that safety. So you know that said they've they've been pretty good with Jimmy G. You know as as bad as he looks sometimes they just have a really good team and I think they're really well coached. And so even with Jimmy G giving the ball away twice a game, which is as you always say inevitable inevitable in any 49ers game, they also have a lot of talent. Now they're pretty banged up right now though and really i haven't seen a ton that's impressed me so far you know the first game against chicago i'm i'm kind of throwing that out because it was just in a a torrential downpour it's hard to kind of evaluate anything but and then one game lance got hurt and um and 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 jimmy came in as as a backup so they kind of split time there so um you know, it's interesting. They've they've got the LA Rams this week, who they always seem to beat. Like I feel like they're always beating the Rams. Like that. Maybe that's just in my head, but it, it seems like they're always able to beat LA. And so we'll see if maybe that's a get right game for them. But they're a team that I if they make the playoffs, I won't be surprised because they've done it before with a similar group and with Jimmy G. If they don't make the playoffs, I also won't be surprised. So I'm I'm just punting on on them, um, and and just kind of have to see more before I can make any sort of a, a judgment. Yeah, that's a great pick, homie. It's one that I actually didn't even really think about, but it makes a lot of sense. You know what I mean? I could even understand if if somebody was willing to say I. I there a team where if somebody said I pass on this team, I could get with that. If someone says I run with this team, I can get with that. I mean, it's it's just it's you don't really know what you're gonna get. They lost eleven to ten to the Broncos, so we, the team that we just passed on that we, you know, yeah. I mean, we were we were very critical of. They lost one of the worst them. football games I've ever. Yeah, that watched. was that was <laughs> it was terrible. 
abysmal, horrible, yeah. <laughs> horrible game. Not to mention you had to listen to uh, our guy, uh, Mr. Freeze, a.k.a. Chris Collinsworth. I mean, anytime you got to listen to him, it's a bad game anyway. But, and no Al. Yeah. You know, yeah, without Al Michaels. It was – I mean, and Mike Tirico is fine. I like Mike Tirico. Yeah, Tirico's but, fine, but But, I mean – Listening to Collinsworth and watching that product on the field, it doesn't get much worse than that to me. It was it was every every pigskin fan's worst nightmare <laughs> that you got. It was a disaster. Yeah. So, um, my thoughts on the Niners, like I said, Jimmy G, he'll he'll get you so he'll, you know he'll give you some hope and he'll let you down like he always does. Uh, I think he's I think he's fine if you don't have really high expectations. If you need someone to just kind of. You know, what I mean, get you know, steer the ship and get and get you know, get your team situated for a year or two while you build it. He'd be fine for that. But if you're a team that has championship aspirations, like the Niners did, I just don't see. And you could say, you know, Trey Lance, who we've been gone for so long. Trey Lance got hurt and ankle surgeries out for the year, which I yeah. was really, really, I felt really bad for him. I was really disappointed because I was looking forward to seeing what he was going to do this year. I thought I, we had a. Uh, I had really high expectations for him. He was one of the guys that I was uh, was uh, running with in terms of who's going to put up the best numbers for second-year quarterbacks. So I was really disappointed for that. And so the uh, yeah, so basically the Jimmy G thing is this: you know, he's going to give you one every game, sometimes more, and he's going to he's going to you know he'll he'll be good enough so you won't be bad, but he won't be good enough so you're going to win a title. Now, if the Niners went to the Super Bowl this year. Would I be stunned? No, I wouldn't, because that team was so talented. I just I haven't seen it yet from Garoppolo where if I need him to make throws to win the game, that he can do it. He's shown that he has he can't do that yet. You know what I mean? I mean, think about the game. He I mean he was in the playoffs last year with uh against the Cowboys. They had a huge lead. And you know, he's not getting the line set. Trent Williams, you know, is off is uh false start because, you know, Jimmy G there, he's, he's kind of falling apart and he got bailed out by the Cowboys, just, you know, mismanaging the clock. So, I mean, that's my thoughts on him. It's, I've we made it very apparent. I'm not really a huge fan. That article that you sent me, I thought was hilarious on the ringer about Jimmy Garoppolo, um, how he's supposed to be better and things of that nature. And now through one game, I haven't seen that he's, you know, obviously he, he got a self-inflicted safety, which is ridiculous. But um, I will say this, though. Everybody, the analysts who all were saying at the beginning of the year, you know, Jimmy G should be the starting quarterback. Why is Trey Lance starting quarterback? I think he showed you Sunday night why the Niners had reservations about Jimmy G as a starting quarterback. Now, I don't like the way they handled the situation. We talked about that already. But that's why. He just showed you why. He put up 10 points and gave them. He gave, He put up 10 and gave the the Broncos two. So I mean, there's that. But yeah, I mean George Kittle's been banged up. Debo hasn't really gotten going like I thought he would. He was I think he was both of our preseason pick for offensive player of the year. But we're we're also we're anticipating Trey Lance playing. But still, I mean he's just so good. I want to see him get going. Ayuk's been better so far this year. He's actually been a part of the offense. I mean Elijah Mitchell went down week one. I want to say. In yeah. that, like you said, that monsoon game in, in uh, Soldier Field, but uh, it's it's the the Niners have been banged up. The Niners have had really bad injury luck the last few years. Trent I mean, Williams just, has been out. Too. Yeah, Trent Williams is going to be out for I want to say yeah. at least a month, which you know he's the best left tackle in football. 
anytime you're missing him. With Jimmy G, who's who's not immobile, but he, he can he can move a little bit here, but he's not gonna you know run you. He's not gonna run for you know rush for fifty yards, but he can get out of the pocket. He's not you know a statue back there, but still, you know what I mean. With a guy who has a propensity to to turn the ball over, and you're missing you know your blindside protector, it's not good. So I mean the Niners, um, we'll see what happens. I, I think they're gonna make the playoffs. Still. I think they're just too talented not to. And from what we've seen from the NFC West, the two of the teams to me are very disappointing. Particularly, uh, the Cardinals have been disappointing so far as well. Yeah. But um, when I had them making the playoffs too, so I mean, we'll see what happens. They definitely have a chance. The NFC is wide open, so you could make a case that basically every team in the NFC could could make the wild make a wild card spot. It's that wide open to me. You know what I mean? There's no one where I'm like, there's not really a team in the NFC where I'm like, no, there's no way they can make the playoffs. What about the Commandos? I mean, that might be the one. So, <laughs> um, because the division, you know what I mean? So the Commandos yeah. or the Commanders might be the team where I'm like, yeah, there's just no way. Yeah. They've looked awful. But um, for most of the other teams, the other, you know, 15, they should. And, you know, so... Um, we'll see what happens, but I, I think they're going to make it, but it's definitely a team that I feel you why you would punt on them. Cause I'm kind of, I can't run with them. I'm definitely not going to pass on them, but I can't run with them either. So maybe, you know what I mean? Punt for me as well, just because of Jimmy G. So, uh, for me, my punt team is one that's, uh, it's a tough one so far. Like I'm, I'm, I'm very surprised that we got here at this moment so far, but, uh, my punt team is the. Las Vegas Raiders. Mm-hmm. Now you could say that they're the only team in football that is 0-3, which is very surprising. I don't know if anybody saw that coming, that they would be the only team that's 0-3. Um, the next team after that would be the Houston Texans, who were 0-2-1 and because they tied with the Colts in week one. So they're the only team with three losses in the league. So you could say, well, how can you punt? They should be out. There's only been one team, I want to say, the last 11 years who's made the playoffs after starting 0-3. Well, I mean, we can use some of the logic of, well, the Panthers were 3-0 and the Broncos were 3-0, and then they fell apart. So who's to say that the Raiders can't get things on the right track? And maybe if they go on a – it's going to have to be a pretty significant run. I would say they're going to have to probably go in the AFC. They're going to have to go 10-4, and I think. They're going to have to win 10 games, minimum. You know what I mean? So – they're going to have to go 10-4 and four the next 14 games. This is going to be really tough, of course. But the division's not as much – hasn't been as um, hasn't been as hard as we thought it would be so far. I mean, Kansas City we always thought was vulnerable, but their offense, you know, with, with Mahomes and stuff is always so prolific. It doesn't really matter. It seems like they just always find a way to win. But uh, the Chargers we see are 1-2, and two, and a lot of people have been going to the Super Bowl this year. And obviously the Broncos, like we said, are two and one, but it's not really for us a convincing two and one. So the division is right there. I mean, they're obviously they're a couple, they're a few games back, and they lost the game to the Chargers, which does not help. But if they get in the run here, I, I think they can. I think they can still challenge for a wild card spot, possibly the division still. I mean, they got to start winning some games, obviously. But if you think about, to me, the biggest disappointment for them is that. Their offense has not been what was advertised. It's been bad. The fact that they're struggling to put up points, even at week one, I was like, man, the fact that the Raiders only scored um, 19 points, that's it? 
You know what I mean? And your defense held the Chargers to 24 and you lost? Was disappointment like 19 points, that's it? And then they there was, they lost 29-23 to the Cardinals in overtime and a fumble from Hunter Renfro. Another game they should not have lost. They blew that lead. And then they lost 24-22 to in a game that they pretty much were trailing the whole game against the Titans, who we just saw that the Bills blew them out. I mean, the Bills are obviously in a different class in terms of their offensive efficiency, but still, you know what I mean? Like, that Titans game was a game like, okay, they're going to win this one. They did not. So, I mean, it's a team where I'm going to punt on them because I'm not going to say they're they're done, but I think Josh McDaniels, Derek Carr, and that offense really need to figure out, okay, what kind of offense do we want to be? We have the best receiver in football, in my opinion. We have Hunter Renfro, who hasn't been as good as we thought, but he's still a really good slot receiver. We have Darren Waller, who's at minimum a top five tight end. Our line is good enough. Our offensive line is good enough. Our defense hasn't been awful. You know what I mean? Which I thought was going to be the reason that the even though the defense, if they struggled, that the offense would be able to carry this team. And so far, that hasn't been the case. So, I mean, I'm looking at Josh McDaniels. I'm looking at Derek Carr. I mean, what do you got here? You know what I mean? You To me, Derek Carr was a, was a fringe top 10 quarterback going into this this year. I'm not ready to say he's not. He's just had a bad couple few games here. But they got to get it going. They got to feed the beast. You got to feed Devontae Adams. If you, if you have to force feed him, then you got to do it. You know what I mean? Even if it's just, you know, throw him a little swing, a little swing route or a pass in the backfield and then make something happen. You got to do it. You got to make the defense honor the fact that you can throw the deep ball to him and he can just pick you apart. He's just that dominant. He's one of the few receivers in the league, which is why I think he's the best at this moment who can completely take over a game. And for a dependent position, for a receiver to be able to do that is is impressive. You know what I mean? So that I'm, I'm disappointed so far. I am. I think I think um, it's a situation where it's on Josh McDaniels and and Derek Carr. I mean, obviously, you're starting quarterback. You're the head coach. You everybody was talking about how did you deserve this this coaching job? You struggled in Denver, obviously. Uh, I picked. I thought he was. I thought it was a good hire. Uh, we both picked him as as coach of the year this year. So I think if they make the playoffs, he might be coach of the year this year. So we're gonna see if he he does it. So I'm not really gonna write them off though. There's too much talent on offense. I can't. I, I find it hard to believe a team with that much, with that many weapons on offense is, is gonna be you know roll over and play dead. But yeah. what are your thoughts, homie, on the on the Raiders? Yeah, same thing. Just really disappointed with the offense, disappointed at the lack of involvement of Devontae Adams. Um, you know, their line has really struggled. I think that's been a big part of it. I'm not a huge fan of Josh Jacobs. I, I don't think they really have a super dynamic running game, which would help a lot. Like you remember when when Adams was kind of at his best the last few years. Packers had a, had a good running game. Like you you mentioned it earlier with um with with uh Dylan and then uh, Aaron Jones like that two-headed monster. Um and I, I I don't think he has the same luxury of that with Josh Jacobs who I think is a fine downhill runner but very limited and he's not like a explosive player, right? Like he'll get you 4 or 5 yards at a time, but he doesn't really to me like he's not like a Saquon or like even like a guy like Kamara where, you know, they can really spring something loose if you let him, let him run out there. Um, 
Christian McCaffrey, you know, the guys of that caliber. So I think that's, that's an issue. And yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of with you. Uh, I initially had them as punt um, or not punt, uh, a pass, but mostly just cause like, I think it's going to be, it's just really hard to get back into it after being an O and three. I don't think they're, I definitely don't think they're the worst team in the league as their record would reflect, but I think it's just going to be really hard to climb out of that hole, but we'll see. The Chargers thing is like already falling apart with all these injuries. Uh, you know, Her- Herbert has a, a rib injury and they've got the, um, you know, the, the, the San Diego doctor who punctured Tyrod Taylor's lung still there with his uh, needle. Um you know, and they have they have a. I think I just saw that Bosa is out, if not for the year, for a long time. So, you know, the division's open. I I think it's going to look like Kansas City taking it again, unfortunately. But, um, I I I I just think after being zero and three, it's it's a tough journey back. Now, can they be respectable? Yeah, of course. Like if they end up eight and nine, or even even nine and eight, or something. I just think. You know, we'll see. The, the AFC was made out to be this really difficult, you know, insane conference. And now I think we're seeing, like, some of that was probably just a mirage. Um, you know, I think we overhyped the Chargers probably, probably overhyped Denver. Um, so, I don't know. We'll, we'll see what happens. Um, I'm curious to see how it all shakes out. I wouldn't be at all surprised if they made a little run. That's kind of what they did last year to make the playoffs. And it's a 17 game season now. So you have 14 games. Um, so yeah, we'll, we'll see. Um, they definitely, that I want to, that offense has to be better because, you know, they haven't really been televised a ton so far, but I want to watch Devonte Adams and Derek Carr who played together in college. Like that's a, that, that should with playing in um, Josh McDaniels offense. That should be cool. So I hope they figure it out for that for entertainment value, if nothing else. Yeah, they're uh, they're playing the Broncos this week, so that's a, that's a, that's a game that you you have to win. It's a division game. Yeah, but I mean the Broncos' offense has been, like I said, they've been struggling to score points. So that that's a must win. It's at home. You got to win that game because then you got Kansas City Week Five, and they got to buy already. So they they got to win. They they got to win these next two, but at the very least, you have to beat Denver and you have to be competitive against Kansas City. Because then you got I'm just looking at you know some of the games I think are are winnable. You have the Texans down the road after the bye. You got the Jaguars on there who've looked better. Mm-hmm. You have Seattle, the Patriots yeah. who look are struggling. The Steelers are on there who've been you know they're beatable. The yeah. Niners. So I mean you, you got some you got some games that you could win, yeah. but. You you gotta start you know a week at a time. You gotta start this next game. So I'll just close that out with uh, we we had talked about how if we you know were in the front office we would have retained Rich Bisaccia as the coach. I thought he did a great job, uh, and he earned uh, at least a year to do that. But they went for the big name. I, I liked the hire. I'm not gonna say I didn't, but I think Josh McDaniels has to prove why. He was the better hire instead of Rich Bisaccia, who everybody seemed to love there, who's now the special teams coordinator in, in Green Bay. So I mean they gotta they gotta have to prove it. You know what I mean? So yeah, so that's our uh that's our run, pass, and punt segment. Uh some it was a lot of fun. Some some really interesting conversations about pigskin. It's only week three, we're going into week four. 
So we got a lot of lot of uh, football to go, but we will uh, revisit this maybe at the around the midway point, maybe uh, week eight or nine or something to that effect, and we'll see uh, if these teams are gonna you know repeat on this list or if they're gonna be in different spots. So now I'm just, uh go ahead and kick it over to uh, the hoops guru, and we're gonna talk some. Uh, some more pigskin, but it's a, a some special categories here. So you want to go ahead and talk about that, Pat? Yeah, so we're going to pick our P. Moore special and our P. Moore stinker special. So um, these are, you know, teams, you know, or we we could do entities or, or whatever, whatever you want to do um, that we are looking forward to in this next week. Um, that's the P. Moore special. That's like a good 8.5 out of 10 if you're uh, – you know, rating your movie you just watched. Um, and then a P more stinker special. So that's one that's like, eh, don't care about that. Probably gets a, a 6.5 out of 10. That's a P more stinker special. Uh, six, maybe a six out of 10. Um, so we're picking some of the games that are coming up this next week, week four of the NFL um, that we're looking forward to. And some that we hope are not on our uh on our television on Sunday. So why don't you, you kick things off here, uh, homie, who is your, is going to be your, uh, which game is your P more special or which thing is your P more special this week? Yeah. So I, uh, I'm going to go with one and I have a couple of honorable mentions that I'll mention after you do yours. But uh, for me, I'm going to go with uh, the Buffalo bills going to Baltimore to play the Baltimore Ravens. I mean, this is two teams that we uh, we enjoy watching. To me, it's the the best quarterback in the league with Josh Allen, and to me, uh, one of the best quarterbacks in the league with Lamar Jackson, Big Trust. So, um, just be transparent here. Those are my two favorite quarterbacks, my two favorite players. Um, so, and teams that we really enjoy outside of our hometown teams, teams that we just enjoy. I think they're really fun to watch regardless if you're a fan of them or not. But uh, we're, we're big fans of the Buffalo, as we, as we always talk about in the show. And obviously the Ravens is just a, a really um, – a franchise kind of gained like that that status and that mm-hmm. swag for a franchise that hasn't really existed that long, if you think about it in the grand scheme of things. But uh, to me, it's going to be a phenomenal game. I don't know if I get it this week. Uh, but, you know, it all depends, but I would love to watch that one. So that's the one I was really excited about, and I want to see, I want to see if the Bills how they how they react to that that really tough loss against Miami, where they like kind of like the Bengals did a bit in Week One. They they kind of lost that game more than Miami won it to me. It's not taking anything away from Miami. I think Miami's a, a very good team. I did have them as a wild card team. But uh, that was the Bills game to win. They did not do that. They didn't execute when they should have. Uh, I think the, the the play that stands out to me, everybody can talk about the Isaiah McKenzie not getting down and getting out of bounds and the clock running out. But to me, it started with, uh, I want to say it was third and goal. Could have been fourth and goal. I want to say it was third and goal off the top of my head. Where Josh Adams, you know, I'm not Josh Adams, Josh Allen, uh, drops back, his footwork was kind of all over the place, he's kind of off balance, and he throws the ball in the dirt, and he had a, he had a touchdown to take the lead. So, I mean, that's a rare mistake. You don't really see him do that very often. He knew as soon as it, it, it hit the turf, he's like, you could see him grab his head, like, I can't believe I missed that. 
and uh, Ken Dorsey, the OC of the Bills, just went went insane, which I have zero problem with. I mean, it shows, you know, I mean, he was he had a reason he he had a right to be that angry. Uh, I think that his team blew the game. You know what I mean? He called a good game. He just did not execute when they needed to. And then they're better than that. And he knows they're better than that. Now, am I saying he should do that every single game? No. You know what I mean? But I mean, one time, I'm not, not going to fault a guy for having passion like that. You know what I mean? It is what it is. He wasn't throwing it at people. He was just really mad. It is what it is. It happens. Um, it's obviously not something you want to see all the time, but I'm not going to fault Ken Dorsey for, for doing that. He called a good game and they didn't execute. And uh, if a coach cares that much, you know what I mean? To me, it's a guy I probably want to have on my staff. And we did, when we did uh, obviously endorse him, I think we both had him for our uh, offensive coordinator of the year preseason pick. So, yeah, all that to say, and I want to see how, how Baltimore looks. You know what I mean? Baltimore should be 3 0. Uh, once again, we see where uh, Miami is, is the, common, uh, the commonality here between these two teams. Mm-hmm. Where Baltimore had looked like they had, they had Miami dead to rights, up twenty-one points in the fourth quarter, and the defense just completely fell apart. And you're talking about you have you know, you have corners like Marlon Humphrey and out there and things like that. So, it, it, I was stunned when I saw that they blew that lead. I thought the game was over, was way over, but they came back. And kudos to Miami's offense for not giving up. So, but uh, defense, you know, dropped the ball there. So it's a situation where I want to see how they react to that. I want to see how Baltimore, how they look, because I think Baltimore is a serious contender uh, to maybe make some noise in the playoffs, I think, if they could maybe go all the way. They're definitely a team with the talent to do that. And, you know, obviously, like it has pretty much every year on offensive starts and ends with with big trust with Lamar. And Lamar has been, to me, he's the MVP of the league this so far through three weeks. And like I said, it's week three, it's week four. But to me, if if the MVP was awarded today, he would get it. So uh, I want to see how they play. I want to see how the defense reacts to going against probably the best offense in football. You know what I mean? How do they how do they bow their backs and you know keep keep you know the Baltimore offense in the game? Because the Bills are probably going to get twenty. I mean, we'll see. They didn't score that last week, but the Bills. So if you can hold them to a reasonable amount where your offense can. You know what I mean? If it's a shootout, you want to make sure that you can make it respectable on that end. So we'll see what happens. It's going to be an interesting game. So Buffalo versus Baltimore is my uh, P. Moore special. But what is uh, P. Moore? What is your P. Moore special? Well, that one was definitely on my list. That was actually second on my list. So that was my runner-up. Um, yeah, I think that's just going to be really two really fun offenses going at it. Two of the most dynamic quarterbacks in the league going at it. Um, there's going to probably just anytime you watch either one of those guys, there's a lot of like eye popping, you know, plays. And so to have them both on the the field in the same game is going to be awesome. Uh, the only thing would be better if they could play at the same time <laughs> against each other, but that's not how football works. So um you know that's uh that's gonna be an awesome game i'm looking forward to it um and i think it'll also give us like a better sense of like who is the team to be in that in in the afc like is it is it miami is it going to be one of these two teams like if one of these two teams wins really convincingly i could see them kind of going on to be like the favorite uh, you know as they say and you know there's been a lot of talk about you know MVP stuff heading into this game because Lamar and, and Josh Allen are having such 
I, you know, good early starts to the season, but needless to say, it's way too early to even talk about any of that. But what we can say is two really fun, exciting quarterbacks, probably the two most fun to watch in the league. So um, I'm really looking forward to uh, that game. I hope, I hope I, I'm going to be on a plane uh, going to another scouting trip, but I'm hoping it's a plane where I get like live TV and maybe I'll get that game. So um, we'll, we'll see. That's a good one though. I like it. The one I'm going with is actually tomorrow night's game, our, our Thursday night football game, which I don't know if you've noticed this, homie, but to me, I was looking at Thursday night football games this year. They look so much better than they – the Thursday night games were always terrible, like awful matchups. And this year they actually like look like pretty entertaining matchups. But did you know? have you noticed that at all? Uh, I thought the first three have been pretty bad. They are pretty <laughs> awful. This is this is a great one. This is actually one that I had as yeah. a as a third option here as well. So I'm, I want to get your thoughts on it. But yeah, uh, it started off terrible, but yeah, overall it looks like they're better than last year because it used to just be the throwaway games. Yeah, but I think yeah. with Amazon kind of getting uh, throwing the money around now, you know what I mean, making it rain, uh, mm-hmm. that they want to get some more uh, some more marketable matchups for people to watch it on Prime. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, that's kind of what I thought too. I was like, okay, so now that Amazon is is in the game, they're you know they're paying. They they have more money than any of these networks. So, um, but yeah, I think it's a really important game. the The Dolphins are currently three and zero. I think they're the only three undefeated team in the league right now, um, and beat two of the best teams in the AFC in the Bills, who are a lot of people's presumptive you know, Super Bowl champs um, and the Ravens, a team that I think a lot of people had going back to the playoffs this year after kind of a, a train wreck last year um, with injuries and such. But um, I, so I think it's one, like if Miami beats the Bengals, that's like three pretty legit teams in my eyes that they've, they would have gone on to, to beat and they'd be four and oh, um, on the Bengals side, like if you start out one and three, like I'm starting to get kind of concerned. You know, that's that's hard. You know, we talked about zero and three for the Raiders. That's a that's a hard uh, climb. But like you kind of pointed out, the the Bengals um, schedule is much harder than the Raiders is is moving forward, and so they kind of have to get a win. I feel like I I, I kind of feel like they have to come out of this five hundred in order to really be able to compete. But other than that, it's the storylines. Tua's been prob- arguably the best uh, passer in the league, uh, definitely top five uh, to start. Um, you know, taking in the same draft as Burrow, who you know had that like amazing run last year for the last few regular season games and into into the playoffs. So two like young, exciting quarterbacks, two of the better receiving cores in the league on offense. Two teams that in theory should have pretty respectable defenses as well. So, you know, these are two teams I would consider pretty well-rounded um, and, and and both kind of built around the same concept of a young, cheap quarterback, and they're spending the money in these premier positions of, you know, left tackle, you know, who Miami went out and, and signed Armstead at receiver where they're really valuing those, those positions um, defensive end, you know, the, the, it, the, cornerback those those big kind of difference making positions so um i think both teams are really fun and young and exciting and i think this 
this game will kind of be a pretty big statement for either team. For the Bengals, it'll be like, see, we're legit. We're not, we're not gonna, you know, have a Super Bowl hangover this year. For Miami, it's kind of the same thing. Like, yes, we're legit. Um, but also like we can, you know, the first three games aren't a fluke. We're gonna be the best team in the AFC, that kind of thing. But are are you looking forward to this game at all? Yeah, I'm I'm really looking forward to this game. As soon as I saw the announcement for it, I was like, man, it's gonna be a good game. I definitely want to check that out. Yeah, we want to see. Um uh if Miami wins this game, they're gonna people are gonna start talking about they could maybe uh maybe be the one seed in the AFC, they could maybe win the AFC East. They're already leading it right now because they beat Buffalo. And uh, if the Bengals win this game, people can say, okay, well, you know, first couple of weeks, it was just, you know, a fluke. They're getting used to things. Uh, uh, Joe Burrow, Joe Smooth, as you like to call him, uh, was just getting, you know, getting his feet wet, is shaking the rust off. He's good now. So this would be a huge win. I think, I think Cincinnati needs to win more, a lot more than Miami does. So we'll see what happens. Uh, I think it's going to be a pick em game. I, I think it come down to, you know, either way, go either way. So it's going to be a fun one. I'm, I'm looking forward to this one a lot. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I hope it's, I hope it's a good one. I'm hoping for lots of offense um, because both these teams, I, you know, the Bengals more in theory, but Miami has shown a pretty, pretty explosive offense at times. Um, so yeah, that, that's going to be, that's going to be a really good one. I'm looking forward to that. Um, one of my honorable mentions was just, uh, Rams at 49ers, just cause like I said, 49ers always seem to beat the Rams division rivalry, two teams. I think we both had going to the playoffs, um, as in, in our preseason picks. So that was my honorable mention. Do you have any honorable mentions for your P more special? Yeah, I might have the honorable mention of the season here. <clears throat> Um, one that I'm surprised, I'm, I'm shocked you didn't mention this one. I think we, I think we might still be a little heartbroken after Monday night, but uh, we got the Helmet Soups and the Homies uh, hometown matchup here. So we got uh, Chicago Bears versus the New York Football Giants. So we got the the Monsters of the Midway against uh, Big Blue. So. Yeah. Uh, I'll let you leave this one off, homie. What are your, what are your thoughts on that game? Because I, I have a few, but I want to I want to get uh, I want to get your thoughts on this one. As uh, those are obviously our two teams that we grew up loving and we both like, and they're hometown teams. So I want to hear from you. Yeah, I mean, I think in terms of like rooting interest, it's a game I am definitely going to watch if it's available to me. Is it one I'm afterwards I'm going to be happy about watching? I don't know. You know, I. These teams, I I just I can envision this being a very sloppy, low-scoring game. I think both offenses have struggled a lot at times. Maybe some some stuff. Defenses are mostly solid. I think both teams' defense is better than the other team's offense at this point. Um, you know, Daniel Jones, who I I thought I think we both agreed had I thought had an impressive game in their loss to the Cowboys. Like he showed. He showed some guts to me. He took some hits and he made he made some big plays. And honestly, like his teammates blew a couple other big plays for him. And so I thought that 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 he deserved little to no blame for that loss. 
Fields, who has shown flashes, you know, again, I think he's a little frustratingly inconsistent so far. Both of these teams, like, just don't have a ton of talent on offense. And, you know, the Bears, I think Montgomery went down and he's going to be out now. Giants lost Shepard last week, so two of the best playmakers. I just think it's going to be a kind of ugly game with the defenses outplaying the offenses. So it's probably going to be one of those where, where we're both kind of groaning if we were watching it, just because we both we like both teams. The, the ideal situation would be both teams playing well and the Giants winning. Uh, but, um, you know, what I'm afraid is going to happen is both teams playing pretty poorly and us not feeling great about it either way. So that's my reason for having them. And I actually had them as a runner up for a stinker special. Cause I was just like, I don't, I don't like how this is going to go down. Is that, is that bad of me to say about our teams? No, oh, man, you just been, uh, it, it's been a tough uh, decade basically for you almost yeah. with the, with yeah. the G men. So I feel you on that. It's been, it's been, it's been rough on us. Uh, so I feel you, but uh, like you said, I think you told me like, the Giants have disappointed me the last 10 years. And my immediate response to that was, yo, the, the Bears have been disappointing me my whole life. So, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, they always they always let me down every year I've been alive. So, um, I feel you, home. I feel you. Yeah, so, sad. yeah, I think it's going to be, like I said, it's going to be a defensive game probably. It's going to be low scoring. I'd be stunned if both teams got 20 points or more. It's going to be a low-scoring game, I think, unless there's some defensive takeaways or something. But um, I don't know. It's another It's another pick-em game. Uh, it's going to be one that's going to be interesting to watch. Uh, like I told you, uh, it's a game where it's two offenses completely devoid of weapons. And I think Saquon <laughs> is far and away the best offensive player on either team. So I think the Bears are going to have to, if they can keep, Saquon Barkley in check and they have a chance here. But if Saquon goes off and the Giants have a chance here, it's just a situation where, you know, what are we going to get? Like both offenses are just so devoid of weapons. And then the, the Giants lost their number one receiver. Kenny Galladay has been atrocious, absolutely awful. Um, I'm not going to pile on here, but he's been terrible. So he's even getting booed when he dropped a potentially a first down pass to keep the drive alive. But and the Bears that like we talked about, they don't really have any weapons. Montgomery was uh he's banged up and Khalil Herbert's a really solid uh backup and he he looked yeah. good last he game. Good. Mm-hmm. He's he's a good player. I like Khalil Herbert, I do. But um your team that's already depleted of weapons and you're you're making your running back room, you know, even thinner. I don't like that. You know what I mean? So I mean, we'll see what happens. I, I'm not. I haven't liked the the play calling of Luke Getzey so far at all. Uh, I think I think Fields needs to be throwing the ball minimum 20 times a game. These 11, 11 game, you know, 11 attempt games is just ridiculous to me. I mean, unless you're, you know, our guy, Mister 67 percent, McCorkle Jones, two for three. <laughs> unless you're him, then anything more, anything less than 20 is, is insane to me. I, the play calling has been terrible, so um, we'll, we'll see. We'll see what happens. So it's going to be a, I, I can't say fun, but it'll be an interesting game, I think. And uh, whoever wins is going to be three and one. So, I mean, that's that's the year we've had so far. The Raiders are zero and three. 
and the Bears and the Giants are two and one. So that's uh that's NFL football for you, homie. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Um, well, yeah, that that it'll be one I will of course have to watch if I'm able to. It's yeah, I'm I'm just I'm not necessarily looking forward to it. Um, okay, let's let's go to believe it or not, that was not a uh, that was not. Uh, my my pick for stinker specials, but let's move over to our official uh, stinker special picks. Um, I'll kick this one off. Um, there were a lot of candidates, as there always seem to be um, in the NFL. There's always just seem to be like two or three really bad games. Um, this one, I'm going with Seahawks at Lions. Um, there has been some talk about, you know, like the Lions, they're a fun team. They've been putting up 30 points, you know. Um, I, I think they're going to crash back down to earth um, pretty soon. Now, Jared Goff, he's one of these guys who can kind of keep you afloat in the right context. If you're like, you know, having him get the ball out quickly, he's an accurate passer, not very mobile, but if you can protect him, you know, have him spread the the ball to some playmakers. Um, you know, he can he can be serviceable. Um as soon as this it gets slightly uncomfortable for him, he falls apart. So it's like, you know, as soon as you know you're down a score or two, you can no longer rely on him. And they have some players. They have some good running backs. Like I think the Swift um uh, Jamal Williams combo is pretty good. I think Amon St. Ra is really good. I think he's probably going to be a pro bowler. He just looks really – he kind of reminds me of like Golden Tate or someone, just a really quick, uh, jittery type of receiver. Um, but um, I just – you know, I just don't believe that offense is going to continue to perform that way. Um, I think, you know, they're going to make some pretty sloppy mistakes. I think their defense – has not shown itself to be great. They have some good players on the defense. It's some good young players. It's encouraging, but um, yeah. And and the Seahawks, I just they they you know they'll probably have a decent defense, but I mean, and, and Geno Smith. Speaking of Mister Sixty Seven Percent, I I think I looked and Geno Smith leads the NFL in completion percentage. Um, yeah, yeah, <laughs> coach, you got you got. Coach Whitehair, as we like to call him, uh, on the sidelines there, uh, orchestrating an offense out of the 1980s. So, um, you know, we'll, I, I don't have a lot of faith in this game being either entertaining or, uh, you know, indicative of any type of future success for either of these teams. I think they'll both be picking in the top 10. So these are the two teams. Uh, that's the, that's my stinker special of the week. Seattle Seahawks at the Detroit, as you like to say, lions. Um, any thoughts on that matchup, homie? Oh my God. You did not disappoint. Homie, I'm dying over here. <laughs> <laughs> the, the best part that got me was the, uh, you got Coach Whitehair, Pete Carroll, <laughs> orchestrating an offense from the 1980s. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think I think he must, you know, he must like think he's in a time warp or something because he's he's like, oh, we want to play defense and run the ball. I'm like, you, you don't win in this league like that anymore. <laughs> yeah, this is not 1980. It's not the 90s even when we were growing up. You cannot win in this league by only relying on good defense and running the ball, you're going to have to throw the ball eventually. This is a passing league now. I mean, you got to have a good defense and running game, but that can't be all. So 
that was that had me you had me man that was great i love it <laughs> yeah that was that was mine as soon as you said it this is the one that just it it, just, it almost jumped off the screen for me in terms of the worst game of the week by far was seattle against detroit like i could say or detroit uh, lions um so i'll give my thoughts on that and then i have a, I had a backup because i figured that was probably going to be the pick because it was just so obvious yeah, it had to yeah. be it had to be the pick <laughs> like if you didn't pick it obviously i was going to so i knew one of us was going to pick it anyway so i have a backup but yeah like you said we got the 1980s uh seattle seahawks offense Geno smith is a good backup a fine backup i should say uh he's not a starter he's in that jacoby Brissett camp even though i take Geno 10 times over jacoby brisket <laughs> um but uh brisket. yeah smoke brisket as deuce, as deuce likes to call him so but um yeah i mean seattle i i figure they're going to be awful i thought they might be the worst team in the league going into this year them along with maybe houston you know what i mean so this shows like how unimpressive denver has been they lost week one to them when they, you know what i mean yeah. so yeah seattle's just not a good team that they should pick in the top 10 easily uh, I'm, as, as you know, I haven't made it a secret. I'm not a fan at all of, of Pete Carroll as a coach. I think he's extremely overrated. Um, so I think he just, you know, he gets a lot of talent and he just rides that. And then when he doesn't have it, I don't think he's that great of a coach. Coaching, you know, guys to be better, just my opinion. So, and then the Lions, I mean, like it was, like I said, they're the try-hard Lions. They're going to, you know, play hard and all that stuff, which is great, but they just don't have the talent at this point, not yet. They're getting there though. Yeah. I mean, Hutchinson's looks good. Looked good. The the second overall pick from uh Michigan. He's looked good. And then um obviously uh Aman Ra St. Brown has been a, a, a nice find for them, a receiver. He's easily their number one receiver, I would say. But I said this too when we talked about uh who do you think's gonna have a better record between the Bears and the Lions? It just came down to well, one team has better weapons, but one team also has Jared Goff as your quarterback, and the Bears don't. So uh, I can't really believe in a team with Jared Goff. I'm, I'm sorry. I just think, like you said, he's fine if everything's going okay, but once there's a slight you know, curve in the road or something, he's going he's, he's gonna to dip out. He's out of there. He's not going to be very good. And that's what he does. You know what I mean? Uh, I, I've, I've lost count of how many game-ending interceptions Jared Goff has thrown in the last few years. You know what I mean? It seems like almost every time they're they're driving, he ends the game with a pick. It's just what he does. And that's fine. Jared Goff to me is a backup quarterback. He's not a starting quarterback in this league. He's just not. So I mean, I think he's probably gone after this year. So I think they're just gonna say, okay, we got him here. We're paying him a ton of money because we took him off, you know, we traded uh, John Stafford for him to rebuild. But uh they're going to be looking in for a quarterback. I think both these teams are going to be in the quarterback market next year in the draft. So we'll see. But, yeah, awful game. Um, but uh, I would probably lean with uh, Detroit in this game, most likely. It, it is at home. So for what that's worth. You know what I mean? So um, uh, my uh, my P. Moore stinker special this week, since that one was uh, the obvious one that was a great pick by you, homie, I'm going to go with the uh, another stinker to me is uh, the New York Jets versus the Pittsburgh Steelers. To me, uh, another game yeah, that I yeah. thought was going to be terrible. <laughs> uh, it's in it's in Pittsburgh. Um, the Jets, it looks like Zach Wilson is going to be coming back for this game. And I don't really think it's going to matter. 
<laughs> because the Jets have been terrible. Uh, and I think Wilson coming off that injury, I don't know what he's going to look like. Uh, I haven't really been high on him regardless. I think he's turned the ball over a lot. But like I said, he doesn't really have much to work with in terms of the line and things of that nature there. Obviously, Mims and other players are unhel- uh, unhappy. And, I mean, I feel kind of bad. I feel bad for Robert Saleh because I think he's a good coach. I just think that – I mean, just, it feels like the Jets, the la- pretty much almost our whole lives, aside from that nice run with uh, – those back-to-back championship games with Rex Ryan, they haven't really been relevant since Rex Ryan was fired. You know what I mean? And before that, not really either. So it's been a rough goal if you're a Jets fan, for sure. So, like I said, I feel bad for Saleh. I think he's kind of been set up for a situation. I mean, look at Todd Bowles was there as well. You know what I mean? He had success for a year and almost made the playoffs. But it's a tough job. It's never going to be easy for him. So I do feel bad for him. I I like to see him be successful, but I don't know. So there's that. And then Pittsburgh has been unimpressive as well. I mean, obviously, we know uh, Mike Tomlin is a great coach. He's one of the best in the league, I would say, easily. But um, we'll see with uh, with Mitch Trubisky. I don't think Trubisky's been very bad. I just think he's been okay. I don't think he's been bad. Though. I, don't, I don't see – I wouldn't be so quick to pull, the, to pull him yet. You know what I mean? Now, if he loses this game to the Jets at home, then I think you make the change. You have to. If if he's one of the reasons why they lose, if they play poorly on offense and he's a, a, a component of that, then you have to make the change. But I haven't I haven't been, you know, I, I don't really get, like, obviously we had Deuce on the show who's a, a, a bigger, you know, believer in, in Trubisky than we are. But I still, I still think Trubisky is in, he's in like that, you know, that middle of the road pack, if even. He's in the Jimmy G. Baker Mayfield, Kirk Cousins, you know what I mean? He's he's okay, you know what I mean? If you don't have high expectations, he'll be all right. But if you need him to, you know, lead you to the promise line, he's not going to do that. It's not the kind of player he is. He's good enough to be a starter, and that's it. He's just good enough. So, but I don't think he's been played poorly. I know we got our our one of our favorites, uh, Uncle Steve, Stephen A. Smith is calling for him to get, you know, get uh, benched and all that stuff. I mean, let, let's give it another week. Let's see how it looks against the Jets. I think it's too early to to do that change here. But, yeah, I mean, obviously Najee Harris has been banged up. The defense has been, hasn't been as impressive as I thought so far, which was kind of the calling card of this team. So uh, the receiving cores look nice for uh, with what they had to work with so far with, with Pittsburgh for sure, but especially Pickens and that crazy catch he made was dope. But um, I expect more from that receiving core. But, I mean, at this point, I, I wasn't really high in the Steelers going into the year anyway. I thought they would finish uh, in last place. So it's not really a surprise to me. But this is a stinker game. What about you, homie? What are your thoughts on uh, this game? Give us a little bit of thoughts on the Jets. Uh, and then, obviously, uh, on Pittsburgh. Yeah, the Steelers are one of my least favorite teams to watch, and especially now that T.J. Watt is out. I mean, he was like their one really exciting player and was far and away their best player, both sides of the ball. I think their defense is going to take a pretty big hit with him out. He drew a lot of attention on the on the, on the the line there. So, um, yeah, they, they just are not 
fun to watch. I think, yeah, I, I think you're right. I think they have some, some, some good upside at receiver. Um, I don't think switching out Trubisky for Pickett is going to make you any better on offense. I just think it's like, okay, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll throw the kid into the fire and get him some, some real regular season reps more than anything. Um, but yeah, it's the Jets, you know, are just kind of a nightmare to watch. Anytime you do watch them, just like they make so many mistakes. They always seem to like just shoot themselves in the foot. Um, I'll be curious to see if Zach Wilson is looks makes this offense look better or worse than Joe Flacco. I could see either either outcome. So you know, there's some talent on the Jets. You know, on at the receiver position, I think at the running back positions, but um, they just I have no confidence in them being able to put it together for you know 60 minutes for a full game. They'll they'll have a meltdown in one quarter or something. So yeah, definitely a game I'd prefer not to watch if I, if, if I had my choice. <laughs> and you're just, uh, you're bringing it today, homie. It's hilarious. So yeah, that, those are our, uh, P more specials and stinker specials. So now let's get into, as you like to call it, homie, everyone's favorite segment. So do you want to go ahead and uh, introduce that for us? Yeah, let's go ahead and dive into our slime ball of the week. Um, so since it's been it's been three weeks since we've recorded, it should really be called the the slime ball of the slime balls of the weeks, as you uh, had 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 so eloquently phrased it before we started recording. So um, we're gonna pick a couple slime balls and a couple homies this week just to make up because there have been a lot, and we want to make sure we're covering as much as we can. But why don't we kick things off with a with a collaboration? You know, we'll we'll do a. It's like when two great rappers get together and and make it make an album, um, or, or a great producer and a great rapper. We're gonna do a collab here. So, the first one that we talked about that we would we would discuss. Um, we've had a very pigskin heavy episode, but we're gonna talk about some hoops for a little bit. So, in kind of the, the time since we've recorded. Um, the NBA's investigation into Phoenix Suns owner Robert Sarver had concluded. Basically, it found that this dude was, uh, let's keep it short, this dude was a total slime ball. Um, you know, he was basically treating his employees really crappy. He used slurs. He treated women especially poorly. He, like, talked about pregnant women as if they were, like, an obstacle to success. Um, he, he said the N word, he, he, you know, every possible thing, uh, like, uh, a bad boss can do this guy did. Um, and there was basically this big investigation that found most of the son's employees really were pretty miserable. Um, sure. It played, it paid well, uh, you know, working for an NBA team does, but especially like women and people of color seem to, um, really feel it the worst. So, this investigation comes out and the NBA suspends Robert Sarver for one year, um, which a lot of us were thinking one year, like that's it. Like, and Oh, and a $10,000 fine. This guy's a billionaire. So $10,000, you know, really is going to hurt him big time. Um, and so one uh, year, 10, 10 million. Homie. Uh, oh, $10 million. 
still a fraction. Sorry. Yeah. 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 Um, I mean, it's still nothing, but yeah. Still a fraction. Ten $10 million dollars from yeah, ten thousand would be really ridiculous now that I think about it. Um, ten million dollar uh fine. Um, and then like some required trainings basically, which seemed kind of like a weak punishment. It's like, oh, you're just gonna let this guy come back after a year and walk back in and continue the same stuff. Um, well, thankfully, I think Robert Sarver announced that he was selling the team, which is what frankly Phoenix Suns fans have wanted for a long time. Like, even you know. He's one of these owners where no one hates him more than the fans of his actual team. It's kind of like the Knicks are with James Dolan. Like they hate this guy. He won't spend money. He won't. Um, he he continually continuously undermines any success the team has. That he makes players uncomfortable. Um, the players don't like him. It seems so. He just there. There was it was pretty obvious he needed to go. He announced basically that he needed to go. And the way he did it was the most slimy thing I've ever witnessed in my life. He basically says, I am selling the team. I'm so proud of all of the amazing things I've accomplished as owner of the Suns. I've done this and this for charity. I've done this and this. He brags about himself and he goes, and then he goes, quote, this is a direct quote. But in our current unforgiving climate, it has become painfully clear that it is no longer possible, that whatever good I have done and could still do is outweighed by things I have said in the past. And it was really funny because this whole tirade he was going on was about accountability. And then he goes, but, you know, I can't be forgiven for this. So he completely avoids taking Uh, you know, being accountable for his actions. He basically says, you all like pressured me into this, um, you know, and you're so unforgiving and you're so unfair and you're so brutal. This is the only option option for me. And it's just, you know, such a typical slime ball way to go out, like refusing to accept any responsibility for your actions, which are well-documented and reported by like a billion people. It's like, no, like, I'm going to talk about all the good stuff I've done, not say sorry, not, you know, make any type of atonement to the people this has affected. Um, And it's just like typical billionaire stuff. Um, This is how owners of teams typically act because they're entitled pricks Um, and Robert Sarver's amongst the worst of them. So uh, very worthy slime ball. You wanted to join me on this one, homie. So I want to hear your thoughts um, on on Sarver and this whole thing. Yeah, well said, my guy. Um, It's a situation where it's a long time coming. I can't think of anybody, you know, whether it be players, coaches, you know, analysts, podcasters, writers, whatever you want to say, in the hoops community, who would go out of their way to say that they really liked Robert Sarver and enjoyed, really loved him as an owner. Now you can, you know, say the James Jones and Monty Williams and Steve Curry even said a couple of things here and there, but I didn't see anybody bending over backwards to say this guy was a great guy. You know what I mean? It's kind of been a, an open secret that he's been extremely cheap. At least he's, he's that's what he's been known for. He's extremely cheap. He don't want to spend money. So, uh, I would just say, like, yeah, I feel you. I would just say the whole thing in terms of the the statement was a joke. I thought absolute joke. No accountability whatsoever. And 
I just want to get this out there. I am so tired of people like hiding behind this veil that they, oh, I'm a person of faith or I go to church. So therefore that makes me a great person. That means nothing to me. You going to a particular religious service for a certain amount of time weekly does not make you a good person. You, you know, embodying good values and being a good person to other people is what makes you a good person, not attending, you know, a building at a certain time on a certain day of the week. So I'm tired of that too. I'm so sick of that. We saw that with John Gruden said that too. Oh, I, I go to church every Sunday. I have a wife and kids. I'm like, yeah, you and tens of millions of other people do that too. doesn't make them good people either. It's how you live your life. So I'm tired of that. And also just the whole situation where the way the statement read to me was completely tone deaf. It's almost like it's your fault why I'm gone. It's other yeah. people's fault in this unforgiving climate. And it's like, this is not like a one-off thing that you did. This was 19 years that you did this. So you weren't just a slime ball for a year, a day, a week, whatever. This was nine, This was two decades almost of behavior. So what are you talking about? This guy is like tripping. Like, what are you talking about? This is a thing. You've been doing this for two decades and you finally, you know what I mean, got your comeuppance. I'm so sick of this already. This dude, like, he, I'm, I'm glad he's going. He needed to go. He was the first off was he was cheap and you know me we me and you are really like if you're a billionaire and you own a professional sports team you have no excuse to be cheap you're basically printing money owning that team if it's an NBA team or an NFL team you print your own money basically you make so much money it's unbelievable your revenue you're bringing in so you have zero excuse to be cheap so there's that and then the other obviously the personal stuff as well he's just, he's just a slime ball I mean he made our he made our uh, Slime ball of the week twice prior to this already. So it wasn't like we were, this was unknown to us. You know what I mean? So, yeah, and there's that too. So, I mean, it's good for him to go. I, I think it's a situation where the one thing I would say is some of the, I think, you know, certain players who were saying, oh, yeah, the NBA got this one right, or they were, they were, you know, criticizing Adam Silver for saying that. You know, you got this one wrong. I'm like, why? where were you when this investigation was ongoing for months? Why didn't you come out and say that before the decision was made? And then maybe that wouldn't have happened. You know what I mean? These guys with clout, I don't want to name any names. I don't want to, it's not about them. But why didn't you say this, you know, a month ago? You know what I mean? Say like, this guy needs to go. I don't care. The decision hasn't been made. He needs to go. He needs to go. And then this would have been taken care of already, don't you think? But then to after the fact... You know what I mean? With with hindsight being 2020, saying, oh, yeah, he has to go. He got this wrong. You should have said that months ago. You know what I mean? Maybe some players were, but it wasn't as vocal as when the decision was made. You know what I mean? So there's that, too. But, I mean, I'll just say he's just a slime ball. He deserves to to lose his team. I mean, he's still, you know, he's a billionaire. He'll be all right. So he's going to be fine. You know what I mean? He doesn't have to worry about finding a job and that stuff. He'll be okay. So I'm hoping... Nope. He'll make a ton of money selling this team. Yeah, and he's Way gonna, more. for what he paid yeah. it. I can't remember off the top of my head, but I, I read what he paid for it, which was basically nothing in this in today's economy. He's gonna probably make five to tenfold what he paid, if yeah. not more. He's gonna make a lot of money. He's not even the primary owner. He, I mean, he's the primary owner, but there's he's the other owners, uh, people who have shares in the in the team under him. But he's still gonna make a ton of money. Yeah. Uh, this is gonna go for easily probably a billion, I would say. 
You know what I mean? I don't know the oh, figures yeah. off the top of my head. I'm not a, I'm not a, uh, I don't know that, but it's going to be a lot of money, especially oh, yeah. in that market with a good team and stuff like that. I'm just hoping the that there's a a wide net cast for for ownership for a, a ownership group that kind of embodies, uh, you know, the city of Phoenix and what's what's important to the city of Phoenix, and also has a good a good direction for where the team's going to go. I think is what's important. We can get into diversity stuff, which I mean would be fantastic. Of course, we'd like to see that, but I think uh, along with that, we need to have an ownership group that knows the state and the city well, knows the fan base well, and and can competently run an organization, and can was willing and able to spend money. Like I, I don't know, I, I'm of the opinion that. I don't even know if Robert Sarver wasn't the owner of the Suns. I think DeAndre Ayton probably gets a max contract. I could be wrong on that. We'll see. I mean, there's we'll never know, but I don't know. I also think that new ownership. I mean, I think you keep Monty. I think you do that. But honestly, homie, if I was if I was running if I bought this team, I would just the front office. I would clear the whole front office out. I'd have to. Um, I'm, I'm not saying you know obviously James Jones. Uh, he's a person of color. We like to see, you know, people of color in these positions where historically we haven't been. But there's plenty of other people who fit that, who fit, who are more than qualified to do it. You know what I mean? Uh, that have played for the Suns as well. So I mean, like I was saying, I was throwing out, I threw out some names. I'm not throwing any names here, but there's people who can do that. But I don't know. I just feel like the, it's it's kind of an environment. You got to clear that environment out. Obviously, yeah. Monty's a good coach. You don't want to lose Monty, Monty Williams. But I know the front office got to go to me. I, I would do that if they don't. I'm not going to, you know, make a big fuss about it. But uh, that's what I would do personally. But uh, what are your what are your thoughts about that, homie? Like, would you if you let's say you buy the Suns, right? Would you keep Jones and the rest of his team in the front office, or would you kind of clean house and uh, rebuild from there? I'd well, it depends. Like if I was buying them right now, I'd give them this season. I want to see what 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 happens this season. And if they don't make some really impressive run or like, you know, win the chip or something like that, then yeah, time for a new front office. They decide who stays and who goes. Obviously, Chris Paul will be gone. He's too old for like a rebuild. Um is Booker part of your future? Is Aiton part of your future? Are these are these guys too good where you need to blow it up? So, um, you know, I, I would definitely want to evaluate this season and see what it looks like. But if it ends in the second round, like it has, like it did last year, then no, I'm I'm saying okay, well, I'm spending a boatload of money on this team, and it hasn't produced, and I'm and and. You know, this is the old regime. I'm going to put my fingerprint on this and, you know, start something new and exciting in the desert. That would be my my take, I think. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I feel you on that. I just feel like Jones was kind of like the – he worked pretty much directly under Sarver. He kind of yeah. did what Sarver told him. And that's, I mean, that's his boss. I get it. And I'm not saying James Jones is a bad person. I'm, that Please don't – you know what I mean? Listeners, please don't misunderstand me. It's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying it need to start fresh for me. Yeah. I want to get all traces 
of that environment. I want it gone. You know what I mean? That's what I would do personally. But I feel you on your approach too. It makes a lot of sense. But uh, I, there's uh, some news to announce now because of this. So with that, with us uh, giving him two selections, Robert Sarver now has four selections uh, as the slime ball of the week, which makes him eligible for the Helmets, Hoops, and the Homies Hall of Slime. So we're going to put it to a vote. Uh, he will be the third member if he's inducted. So it has to be obviously both of us, or if there was more than if you know Deuce or someone was on here, it'd be a majority. But uh, homie, uh, Robert Sarver, do you say yes? He should be inducted into the Helmet Soups and the Homies Hall of Slime. Yes, start getting him hit, him fitted for his bright slime green uh, blazer that we give all honorary inductees. Uh, he is he is well deserving. We have we have Skip and and uh, and and Stephen A. Smith in there, uh, so we've got the media slime represented. Now we'll have some ownership slime start to get some more representation in the hall. So next it'll probably hopefully be a player or a coach at some point. We'll we'll get lots of them in there. Yeah, so I'm gonna I'm gonna agree with you. I say yes. So uh, pretty easy decision for me to say yes. So uh, Robert Sarver, uh, welcome to the Helmets, Hoops, and Homies Hall of Slime. You are the third member enshrined in your uh, your bright green, your Nickelodeon slime fitted jacket. So Robert Sarver, welcome to the Hall of Slime. So uh, we obviously have another slime ball of the week. So I'm gonna let you go ahead, homie. Who's your who's your second slime ball of the week besides this uh, one that we we kind of needed to have? It was almost mandatory yeah. that we do so, but we wanted to at least pick one more. We want to be want to be fair to the slime balls. We want just want to just pick one. It's been three weeks. There was dozens, no no lie, to pick from. So who else is your who's your other slime ball this week? Yeah. So um, I'll keep this one a little quicker, um, but. Uh, I'm going to go back to pigskin on this one and, and do one close to my heart the, with a, a member of my New York G-men, um, and that's Kenny Galladay, uh, wide receiver for the New York Giants. Um, so for some context, Kenny Galladay signed a huge contract to join the Giants. It was, a, it was an overpay. Everyone knew it at the time. It was one of the many – shitty David Gettleman decisions uh, that he made in his four years, you know, basically, you know, tearing this once proud franchise to the ground. Um, and he gave him, I, I think a four year, $72 million contract, $18 million a year. Galladay had, had basically had a couple of decent seasons in Detroit and one really good season. And so it was going off of that. And essentially, since he signed that contract, he has done nothing for the Giants. He has not even been our third best receiver, let alone our, our best receiver the way he was being paid to be. Um, he hasn't been on the field a lot for various reasons, for injury, um, which he was very injury prone when they signed him. Um, but more recently, Dable, uh, Brian Dable, the New York, New York Giants head coach, who I think we both are pretty big fans of, has basically taken the stance of like, you need to earn your reps um, along with everyone else. And he apparently didn't earn his reps and got very, very few snaps in the first two games uh, of the season. He only got two snaps in game two. So Kenny Galladay gets on mic in front of the press and says, basically says, 
that it's not right that he's not playing. Um, you know, I sh- he, he said, I should be playing regardless. That's a fact. Despite the fact that, no, you shouldn't. I- I've watched you play. You suck. Um, I've watched you for two years. You've been terrible. Um, there's no, no reason you, you should be on the field. Maybe just take your $18 million and shut up. You're already bleeding us dry there. Um, so he complains. And lo and behold, Dable plays him more in game three. Galladay sat line, three targets, zero catches. Um, he had one catch that was a pretty nice catch that was negated because of a really bad penalty um, on Sterling Shepard. So officially zero catches for zero yards. And one of those catches was a really big drop. It was a third and 12 situation where he basically, Daniel Jones put it right on his hands and he had room to run. He probably could have made the first down um, from that spot. Um, They were pretty deep into their own territory. So, you know, kind of needed to move the ball and he just dropped it wide open pass and he just dropped it. And, you know, it's kind of that kind of night for Daniel Jones. Like he was doing everything he could to keep the giants in and just wasn't getting much help. Um, Galladay had also dropped a third down pass er- earlier in the game as well. That wasn't the best pass, but if you're an $18 million receiver, you make it every single time. Um, and so this guy complains about not getting the opportunities despite having proven nothing since getting to New York. And then when he actually gets the opportunity, he completely blows it. So, uh, Kenny Galladay is my slime ball of the week, not because he he made the mistake, but because he was so sure he deserved that role. And it was so clear that he didn't. <laughs> and so he is my slime ball of the week. That, that kind of entitlement just rubs me the wrong way. But what are your thoughts about that, homie? Yeah. Uh, great pick, homie. It's uh, <laughs> uh, I, I talked about it a little bit and uh, we're talking about our, our bears G men uh, special. <laughs> yeah. Um, earlier. Yeah, he got booed by the fans. He had a big drop. He just pretty much just bobbled it right in his hands. There was an awful, you know, awful call against Shepard that negated a pass. But, yeah, he's just been non-existent. He didn't score a touchdown last year. He's been injured, which he tends to do. It's shaping up to be looking like a terrible signing, which uh, if anybody, you know, is familiar with Dave Gettleman's uh, work, He's, you know, he excels in that. So uh, I I can't say I think he's not that he's a terrible player. I think he's been terrible for the Giants. Mm. And I think with a guy like Brian Dable, who we've seen is pretty innovative, I think. He's not calling the plays, but obviously I'm, I'm pretty sure that Brian Dable has a big say in their offensive game plan and scheme before you know the game pretty sure i i'm sure he takes a look at it um so kind of it kind of says a lot if he's saying look this guy i I don't care how much we're paying him he's not you know either showing me the hard work or he's not doing it in practice i'm not going to play him so i mean i I respect that out of the coach but then for gaudi i had zero problem with gaudi saying look i i deserve to be out there i need to be out there i hate not playing I had zero problem with that. But then you get the opportunities. He gives you, he's like, okay, I'll give you some more, you know, play a couple more snaps or series or whatever. And then he just 
was terrible. You know, I mean, he's zero impact at all. Like, so don't you can't complain about not getting opportunities. And then when you get the opportunities, and they were, you know, and the passes were they were there, they weren't uncatchable, and you didn't make them. So I mean, what do you what do you expect? Like, it's a bad look for you. So I feel you, oh man, the Kenny Galladay one. Uh, it's been a disaster so far. Hopefully it gets better. I don't know. But uh, I wouldn't be surprised if he gets cut, maybe not to the end of the year, but I think he might get cut and he'll just eat the dead money because it just hasn't worked out. And I know another team will sign him. I even told, like, uh, I said that the Bears should sign him because the Bears just need anybody to play, <laughs> to play wide receiver. And this guy, obviously, he's shown that he is talented. I'm not going to say he's not. He's just been really bad with the Giants. So good pick, homie. It makes a lot of sense to me. So uh, my um, other slime ball of the week is one that's also probably near and dear to your heart, uh, especially where you, uh, where you're, uh, you know, working and living here. It is uh, one Nathaniel Hackett, head coach of the Denver Broncos, who we already took the Broncos to task per se, but. And the thing that really put it over for me, that really, I was like, it was like when I saw this, I was, I was almost like, I can't believe this is, this is serious. Is, um, the I want to say a few days ago, uh, Nathaniel Hackett hired a senior assistant to help with game management. And um, this is obvious. This is this article is from the Mile High Report, which obviously covers the Broncos. And it says, quote, and this is by uh, Lori Lattimore Volkman, who wrote this, just to give them credit. Uh, it says, former Ravens assistant head coach uh, slash special teams coordinator Jerry Rosberg will advise the first-time head coach, hallelujah. And I think that pretty much <laughs> sums it up of what people in you know Bronco country are, are feeling. The fact that this guy who is – a NFL head coach and after three games is like, you know what? Or two games actually. Uh, I have to I have to hire someone to help me with game management. I can't do that. It is insane to me. And I don't think I'm pretty sure Nathaniel Hackett does not call the plays either. I could be wrong on that. I gotta look into that some more. But I think I remember them saying he does not call plays. So if I'm wrong on that, I apologize. But it doesn't matter. It, regardless, I don't care if he does or he doesn't. The fact that this guy needs to hire someone to help with clock management is astounding to me. I'm not saying coaches haven't done it before, but when you've looked, you've looked like you don't even know what you're doing out there. Like it looks like it's an absolute joke. And uh, I said, like I even said the first game against Seattle, we were texting about it. I said, man, like. This offense and Russell Wilson looks like they don't even know what they're doing. You know what I mean? It was just a disaster. And it's just like, it's 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 almost, uh, it's Joe Judge territory, uh, uh, you know, uh, you know what I mean? Botching of, of like things like that. It's almost like when he threw the challenge flag on a scoring play, which is always reviewed. <laughs> <laughs> things like that, you know what I mean? So like, um, it's bad. It, it's uh I don't know what else to say. I just can't really believe that this is serious. And the thing that really that that bothers me is that like this guy 
went through the interview process and he was selected as the best the best uh man for the job and i'm not saying he doesn't know football i'm not saying he's a he's a complete moron and shouldn't shouldn't have anything to do with the nfl i'm not saying that it's just the simplest way i can put it homie is that some guys are made to be coordinators or girls some people i should say some people are made to be coordinators and some people are made to be coaches some people can't can't do more than just being a coordinator and I think maybe he falls into that category. He's just a coordinator. He's not a head coach. Um, obviously, the hiring was already questionable because of, you know, his background, some of that in terms of him going there to maybe for recruiting purposes was maybe why he got that job. And uh, it just hasn't worked out so far. Like I said, they're two and one. But to me, it's not a legit two and one. And this was just like the final the final thing for me. I'm like, you know what? This is This is embarrassing. This guy should be embarrassed. And like I said, I wouldn't be surprised if the new ownership lets this guy go if, if they don't uh, if they don't make the playoffs at the end of this year, which I don't think they're going to. Would I be stunned if they did? Kinda, because he's the head coach. So do I think he's the worst head coach I've ever seen? No. Uh, I, I there's another there's a very aggressive head coach who I think is far worse, uh, who we're not going to name yet, which I'm sure he'll get some he'll get some. Uh, we'll talk about him eventually. I know we will. So, but. Uh, yeah, it's been bad, homie. It's been it's it's been almost uh it's been embarrassing, especially if you're a Broncos fan or you live in the Denver area. But uh what's what's what have been your thoughts, homie? I know you've been kind of on a scouting trip for like a week or so, a little bit for some time, but um what are you kind of hearing in Denver and what's kind of the pulse of uh what's going on with Nathaniel Hackett's uh, in terms of like Broncos fans' opinions or just what you're seeing over there? I mean, people already want him gone. <laughs> like, he's already getting booed at games, um, which is fair. Like, he's getting paid so much money and looks clueless, like completely clueless. Say what you want about Vic Fangio, but he never looked clueless. Um, you know, and, and yeah, having to hire someone to do your game management, it's like you're getting paid like $10 million for to watch the clock. That's your job. Like, what are you doing? Um, so it's just, yeah, that bad vibes here in, uh, in Denver, people are not at all thrilled about this guy. They're worried about Russell Wilson. Um, the, the vibes are not great. Um, and yeah, he, he, I wouldn't be surprised if he got fired before the season ended. I mean, if he keeps this up, it's, it's, it's going to be hard not to fire him. Honestly, I wouldn't even blame, even blame the new owners for it. So um, yeah, he's he's definitely a worthy a worthy slime ball. He he's been god awful. Yeah, it's been bad. Like I said, uh, not the worst coach I've ever seen yet, but he's certainly made an impression. He he's a, uh, you know, I mean he's uh he's shopping for houses in that neighborhood. Let's just put it that way. It's you know, we'll just put it at that, right? So yeah, um, should we move on to our our last segment and then some positive vibes here? Yeah, so let's go with our our homie of the week, or uh, it's going to be multiple homies of the weeks here. Going to have a couple, and we're going to end some positive vibes. Just a person, place, or thing in sports who want to give some love to. We want to we want to shout them out and, and give them some uh, some respect and attention, and and show that we appreciate uh, what they did. So I'll let you go first on this one, homie. Who is your uh, who's one of your homies of the week this week? 
So my first homie this week is one uh, Tua Tagovailoa. Sorry for the mispronunciation. Um, the quarterback for the Miami Dolphins. This is a guy me and you are both really big fans of. Um, I kind of like I had thought after watching him at Alabama that he was going to go number one in the draft and maybe should have. But then he got that injury. Um, but he's a guy people have kind of had already which is insane. This is his third year had already kind of written him off as like, eh, he's a below average passer. That's what Tua is. Um, well, the, the Miami dolphins to their credit, they're not a, a franchise really known for making the right decisions, I would say, but hired a good offensive coach um, to, to help Tua. They gave him uh, a franchise left tackle and Taron Armstead paid a lot for him, basically reset the tackle market. Um, also almost reset the receiver market in trading for Tyreek Hill. You know, basically the, 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 what they were getting at was pretty clear. They wanted, they wanted to give Tua as much help as he could. And he has shown that that, that really does make a difference so far through three games. He's second in yards, third in touchdowns, fourth in completion percentage, second in yards per game, but first in QBR. Um, so he's rated as one of the best passers in the league to start things off after people have basically written this guy's career off again, second year player was hurt his first year. So this is kind of, or third year player, I should say is what he is, but it's really like his second year. Cause he, he was so banged up his first year, um, that, that, you know, I, I don't even really count that, but so far he's been stellar, um, getting the ball to the weapons, um, you know, uh, in in Waddle and Tyreek Hill, um, and yeah, I just love to see when guys can, you know, prove it, prove prove the doubters wrong. Now, is it early in the season? Yes. Can can things go downhill from here? Yes. But I think he's at least shown that he can be. He can lead a great NFL offense. Like he's he's made it made it work through three games against some legit teams, right? Um, against the Ravens against the Bills, who are supposed to have one of the best defenses in the league this year. So um, I my homie of the week is Tua, uh, Tua Torch, as we like to call him, well-deserved. That's kind of why I have my Kona beer, my Hawaiian beer, um, in honor of Tua. So so cheers to him. Um, but, yeah, who's who's your homie of the week or your first homie? So we got some uh, some homie harmony going here. I also have Tua Torch, Tua Tagovailoa nice. as my homie of the week. So uh, as soon as you brought the beer out, I'm like, okay, I, I think I know where he's going with this. I went with the cherry limeade, which kind of got that tropical vibe a little bit. So, yeah. So, uh, yeah, Tua Torch is also my homie of the week. Uh, I won't go over the stats because you already did that. But I do want to just bring up that that uh, monster game that he had when the Ravens' defense just completely fell apart. They won 42-38. He was 36 of 50 for 469 yards. Uh, 9.4 was his average uh, yards per attempt for six touchdowns and two picks. And he, uh, six touchdowns tied the franchise record, which was held, is still held, by Dan Marino and Bob Greasy. <laughs> two Hall of Fame quarterbacks and the two greatest Dolphins quarterbacks in history. Uh, Dan Marino is considered maybe the, one of the greatest, not maybe, 
he's considered a top five, maybe quarterback of all time. Mm-hmm. And obviously Bob Greasy was very good. He's a Hall of Famer. So, yeah, that's that's a good list to be on. You know what I mean? For a guy, like you said, that they just written on, left him for dead. A lot of the national media, pundits, whatever you want to say, the the people who you know do this for a living, they just had a field day on um on hating on Tua. Oh, he's small. He always gets hurt. He's got a you know he's got a a pop gun for an arm. He can't do this. He's not mobile. Get him out of there. They made a horrible decision. Justin Herbert's so much better. Justin Herbert's very good. I'm not saying he's not. But just pretty much, you know, this guy, very unfairly to me, way too soon to write this guy off. Me and you have been two torch believers, and uh, we've said it, and I said it before the season. I picked Miami to make the playoffs this year. And I said, look, he's got weapons now. Waddle's going to be in his second year. Waddle was very good last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's looks like he's even better this year. Happy feet, as I like to call him. I love the uh, I love the waddle, uh, the happy feet touchdown dance. It's dope. And even got the fans doing it in the stands. I love it. Mm-hmm. So, um, and obviously the addition of Tyree Kill, like you said, the other additions as well. It's um he's got weapons now. And you know what the most important thing? It's amazing to me, homie, how much m- more successful a player can be when you have a coaching staff who actually believes in you. I mean, what a concept, right? To have a coach who actually believes that you're a good player and wants to coach you. I've had my problems with Brian Flores. I won't want to get into all that, but it was no secret that he did not want to to be his quarterback. And he didn't believe in him. And I mean, what do you expect? I just I just saw I saw flashes of it last year where, like I said, uh, Jacoby <laughs> smoked brisket. Brissett was just – team was, you know, in a nosedive. And Tua comes off the bench, with, like I said, with nine fingers and, and helps them beat the Ravens. Who, the Ravens were really good until all his injuries started to pile up. So, And we see the Ravens are good now. But it led them on a winning streak. And they they, you know, had uh, seven, games in, seven games winning in a row. So I've seen that. Like I said, if he, needs, he needs a coach who believes in him and a system that works. And we're seeing it's not just, you know, dump-offs and, you know, screen passes he's airing the ball out now does Tua torch have the the strongest arm in the league no and i never said that i thought he did but it's more than good enough to help you win games he's he can escape from the pocket he's obviously not going to run for a ton of yards but he's mobile he's not just going to sit stand there and you know what i mean and like a statue and he's not going to not move he can obviously roll out and you can do play action with him Obviously, with the addition of Chase Edmonds, I like it running back. I I like what they did here. I think that they surrounded him with weapons, and they said, okay, Tua, we believe in you. And if you can't be successful this year, then you can't be successful because we've given you everything we need. New coach, new system, Kyle Shanahan offense, West Coast offense, uh, you know, pieces everywhere. Defense is solid to, to good. So let's see what you got. And so far, he's like, okay, what do I got? I got three and oh for you. Like I said, it's very early. Could the Dolphins miss the playoffs and be bad? Absolutely. But to this point, I want to just give this young man some 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 props and some love and say, look, Tua, like, you know, I'm I'm happy for him. He seems like a really nice guy. You know what I mean? And I, I believe in his talent. Like I said, do I think Tua's ever gonna be, like I said, have a cannon for an arm like Josh Allen or something like that? He doesn't need to. 
he just needs to be to work with what he's got and know his limitations and do and maximize that. And he's done that. He did that at Alabama. And that injury costs him a lot. And I think it's hard to get back from that. So I'm I'm really happy for Tua. I am. I hope he continues this. But I do love, homie, just to close this out, I do love all the national media analysts on these sports talk shows talking about the Dolphins. Oh, man, Tua looks so good. He's he's a uh, you know MVP candidate top. He was ranked. Uh, he went up to sixth in the uh, quarterback ranking so far in ESPN so far through the season. And I'm like, where were these people last year and the year before? I love it. Don't you love how people just flip the script like that, my guy? It's hilarious yeah. to me. Absolutely hilarious. So, I mean, I'm I'm proud to say that me and you've been we we've been there, done that. We've been here with us. So we got one right. We're not always right. I'm not saying we're always right because we're not. I definitely am not. So, but this one, I saw it, and I'm I'm happy to see that we're starting to see glimpses of this. So, so congrats to Tua so far for a great season, uh, start to the season, I should say. And uh, we'll see what happens tomorrow um, with, with the game versus uh, Cincinnati. So Tua Tagovailoa, you were also my homie of the week. Sweet. Yeah. Well, let's close things out. We want to shout out, uh, you know, one more homie each since it's been a few weeks. Um, I'll go ahead and, and nominate mine. Uh, I'm going back over to hoops, uh, to, to ladies hoops. So, uh, since we last recorded a new WNBA champion has been crowned the Las Vegas, uh, aces, um, defeated my Connecticut son in the NBA finals, three games or WNBA finals, three games to one. They do five game series. Um, and so my homie of the week is Asia Wilson, who, I think is now undisputedly the best player in the women's game um, uh, for sure. Uh, In the playoffs for the aces, she averaged 20 points, 10 rebounds, two and a half blocks, two assists and one steal on 55% shooting Uh, basically identical numbers in the finals against the sun And she capped that off by, um, during that series, she was announced as the um, WNBA MVP for the season. Um, I don't think they actually do finals MVPs for the WNBA, but she was named the that season's uh, MVP and defensive player of the year for 2022. So she has had quite the year, um, obviously. I think she has firmly... Um, taking the crown as the best uh, women's player. She's still very young. She's excellent at South Carolina. She's been excellent since she's been in the WNBA. Um, But I think she's officially kind of taken that crown. I think before you might be able to argue, you know, Brianna Stewart or even Jonquil Jones on the Suns, but I think it's Asia Wilson's award to lose. You know, Candace Parker, obviously, though she's she's getting up there in age, but – um, so yeah, my homie of the week is Asia Wilson and congrats to the Las Vegas, uh, aces on winning their first WNBA title. They're, uh, the newest team in, in the league. So that's pretty exciting to have such a electric player, um, so quickly. Um, so yeah, I'll pass it over to you, homie. Yeah. Great pick, homie. Um, yeah. So congrats to the Las Vegas aces for winning the WNBA finals. It was a tough one. Obviously, uh, Connecticut's son is a team that's near and dear to both of our hearts. You obviously, be, or for a couple of reasons, but it's your home state. And then for me, uh, it's the only major sports franchise owned by a, a, an indigenous group. 
or a Native American tribe, you can say. So, I mean, obviously that's uh, being uh, indigenous owned means a lot to me. Um, so I was I was heartbroken that they did not come through and and they beat the my Chicago Sky on top of that, yeah. which made it even worse. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it was it's been a tough uh, couple weeks for me in WNBA, but mm. I mean the Aces were they were great last year too, and I think they're yeah. going to continue to be good. Um. So it looks like yeah, it looks like it's a situation where she was defensive player of the year. She obviously was the best player in the playoffs all the way through. And with uh, Sue Bird retiring, and it looks like Candace Parker said she was going to retire. I haven't heard anything recently if she's still going to do that, mm. but I would assume she's probably still going to do that and just go full-time into uh, analysis, which she's very good at, mm-hmm. um, which obviously it's, it's, it stinks for the Chicago Sky, but it's good for the, you know, the hoops world in terms of the media. But... Um, yeah, so there's it's definitely wide open, I think, for her to be that player, and I think she is too. Uh, it's been a good year for Asia Wilson. Uh, she was there at the you know championship game where her her South Carolina Lady Gamecocks won the national title, and then she won the WNBA title. So it's been it's been a great uh, uh, sports year for her. So congrats to her and and the Las Vegas Aces and uh, great homie of the week pick. So my uh, second homie of the week is a guy that uh, we we both uh, are fans of. We like to see him get right, get healthy, and see. We know how phenomenal his talent is, and we want to see that translate into a long, prosperous season. So for me, I'm going to pick uh, Fly Zy Zion Williamson is my homie of the week, and he. Uh, there was talks that says here on an article by Andrew Lopez on ESPN. It says, Zion Williamson looked amazing and dominated team scrimmage, says New Orleans Pelicans coach Willie Green. So I just want to give a couple uh, a couple quotes here. So, so obviously it's, it's a scrimmage. It's a five-on-five. Five. I'm just going to read some quotes from, you know, people in the Pelicans organization and what they say about what they saw from Zion. So it says, Z looked amazing, Pelicans coach Willie Green said. His strength, his speed, he dominated the scrimmage pretty much. He also, uh, uh, Zion said he was excited for the, you know, to play five on five. It's been a minute where he's done that. And Willie Green went on to say, quote, what stood out was his force more than anything. He got down the floor quickly. When he caught the ball, he made quick decisions, whether it was scoring, finding a teammate, it was really impressive to see. And then hearing from some of his teammates, I give some quotes here. So Larry Nance said, he looks like Z. Dude hasn't played basketball for 500-something days. It's not like none of us are expecting that right away, but shoot, I got to be honest with you. Dude looks good. It's going to take time for everybody to adjust to him. It's going to take time for him adjust to everybody, but it's hard not to be impressed. And then it goes on to say Larry Nance uh, asked uh, Zion Williamson if he knew that he didn't miss a shot, and Zion said he didn't even know that. He was just playing. And he went on to say, Larry Nance, he looks like the same wrecking ball we all know and love. Very pleased to say the least. And then a couple other quotes here from some other guys on the team. Uh, Trey Murphy, who's a, a nice uh, a nice second-year player, said, strong, very strong, and also ready to play. I will say that that's all I have to say in terms of how Zion looked. And then our guy, uh, the, PR, the PR nightmare, 
Jose Alvarado said, I think Z is such a special player, but a player we can adapt to. He doesn't need the ball right away. He'll find his way. He adapted really well. It looked like he's been playing with us for a while. So, I mean, obviously, that, that's what you want to hear from the team that was, you know, I think they got high expectations in New Orleans, and I, I completely endorse that. I, I think they're going to do very well this year. I think they can compete for a top four seed. They're that good, oh, that well coached. And I think for him to, so far, to fit in so seamlessly, I think is great. He's obviously the centerpiece of that of that team. He's the best player in that team. And I think what we're hearing a lot of talks about his work ethic over the years. Was he committed fully to New Orleans? Did he want to go to New York and play with play with my homies, New York Stinkerbockers? Um, I, don't, I love to see this. This is what I want to see from Zion. I want to see this maturity. I've been wanting to see this. I mean, the guy's talent is unreal. Absolutely phenomenal talent. The sky is the limit with this guy in terms of what he can do. He's, to me, I say he's kind of like a, a mix between a Charles Barkley and a Sean Kemp. And that still doesn't really cover it. But that's the closest I can say to what I've seen from him. Um, his efficiency in the paint is unreal. How, how it's almost automatic when he when he's in the paint that he's going to score. So um, I, I love to see this from Zion. Um, I'm really happy that the, the his teammates and obviously our, our guy Willie Fresh is uh, is is liking what he's seeing so far. And I expect big things from him. I hope he stays healthy the whole year. That's what always been the concern. But I'm, I'm really rooting for him, and I'm rooting for this team to, to be successful because we love the, the underdog story. We love the, uh, the the small franchises, the small market, I should say, the small market teams uh, when they make some noise. It's, it's good for the league, I think. It's good for the fans, too. So uh, Zion Williamson is my other homie of the week. Great pick there. Um, it's awesome to hear he's scrimmaging again and playing. I think he's one of the most exciting players you could possibly watch. So I'm super excited for this New Orleans Pelicans team. I think they have so much talent. Um, they've got a good mix of young and vets. They have a good coach. Um, they've got good vibes going. Um, so I'm really looking forward to seeing how it all works together. Um, and especially just watching Zion play again, because he is unreal when he's out there. It's, it's you know, it's like watching – yeah, Giannis and Charles Barkley's body or something like that almost, you know, it's it's insane. So um, really looking forward to, you know, hopefully a healthy year from him. They'll probably need to to manage his playing time quite a bit. Just they're, they gave him a huge contract. They're going to play it safe. Um, so he's fresh for hopefully the playoffs. But luckily the Pels are really deep and they can, you know, play Larry Nance instead of Zion or Herb Jones or Trey Murphy. You know, you've got a lot of options. So um, I, I think it's, it's going to be, it's a really promising sign that he's out there and he's fitting in. Um, and I'm, I'm super pumped to, uh, to, to, to watch the Pelicans this year and see if they can, you know, improve on a really promising uh, first season under Willie green. Um, but yeah, any final me? No, that's it. Just uh, want to say it's fun. It's, it's good to be back, homie. I'm going to have a little bit of a break again. But uh, it's it's fun to do this episode, um, to do the show with you, I should say. Um, I would love doing it. And thank you to the listeners. We appreciate you taking the time to check us out for any amount of time. It means a lot to us. And we look forward to uh, continuing to do this as, as much as we can. 
Yeah. We'll check back in in a few weeks. And uh, yeah, thanks again, everyone, for listening as usual. And yeah, hope you all enjoy some pigskin and, you know, the start of the NBA season, which is going to be coming up in a few weeks. Um, But yeah, peace out, homies. Later, my guy.